Bernie and Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And the co-host of Bernie and Sid in the Morning on WABC in New York, who happens to be the author of a brand new book, Citizens United, Salacious Spiels, <laughs> Stories, Suggestions, and Solutions to Withstand a Woke Word, Sid Rosenberg. Sid, congrats on the new book. I like uh, the alliteration there. That was my uh, buddy, Sean Spicer, last night. Spicer and company on Newsmax. Very, very nice uh, little spot there that uh, Sean Spicer allowed me to do and, of course, promoted my book, Citizens United. Why does uh, my microphone sound so weird today, Lou? What's going on? Sounds weird to me. That's a little better. All right, that's better. Maybe the uh, levels were too high. Anyway, uh, thank you to Sean Spicer and Newsmax for that last night. Hope you got a chance to see it. It was on about 5.50. It was a long night for me again last night. I did the uh, Spicer and Company show in the 5 o'clock hour. And then I went on to speak at the Metropolitan Republican Club up on East 83rd Street till about uh, 8.30 last night. So my good buddy Corey Zelnick and his uh, son Max outside the place. That was fun. Got home about uh, 10 o'clock last night and uh, back here again before uh, 5 o'clock in the morning to host this show. Now, today, I bring in a very honored guest. First of all, I'm tired. Second of all, I need somebody to help me out once in a while. And this guy happens to be great. He's on every Wednesday at 8.40 anyway. But today, he's going to spend the whole show with me. He's become a dear, dear friend of the whole family. Danielle loves him. Ava loves him. Gabriel loves him. New York loves him. Say good morning to the great congressman, Peter King. Good morning, Pete. Shit, great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this. I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, I get up at 3.30 this morning. I get in here. I'm exhausted. Melissa's driving me in. Yeah. I, I walk in. I figure I'm the first guy here. You're all working. You're all actually, yeah. you know, you know yeah. people think it's all a big game, but you guys are actually working all morning. I mean, uh, Justin's here. Lou Rafino, who's been here for the last 75 years, I think. <laughs> He's there. I, I expect that I'm just sick of walking down the hall any second. No, but I mean, you guys really, this, this is a really a well-thought-out, conscientious show. You, you know, uh, uh, you always give the impression that it's just, you know, 
sort of going along and having fun, but there's a lot of work. I don't know how you do it all these years. I really don't. That's a long time. And there's a lot of work. Justin gets here about 2.30 in the morning, PTO point. Yeah. Macedonia fills late every day. He doesn't care. Uh, now, but is he the great, guy you called a moron before? He's a moron, yes. Okay, good. And, okay. Uh, well, he, he did something this morning that he gave up something, which I didn't want him to do. We'll get to that later. Lou, you're right. He's a Hall of Famer. He's brilliant. But my, uh, my team and Bernie's team as well, they work very, very hard. And uh, you can tell with the product. There's a reason why this show is number one by such a distance and continues. We had the best month we've ever had this last month. I'm not going to get into inside baseball, give out numbers, but the ratings were through the roof this last month. So uh, we, uh, we kick ass because you've got a great team here. And today, you are part of the team. So let's get right to what happened yesterday. Here's uh, Joe Biden, Pete King, your buddy Joe Biden. And he's out there celebrating this Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, we know does anything but reduce inflation. That's the irony. And here he is. It's hilarious. He's on a split screen, Peter King, celebrating this great reduction act, inflation, while we find out that the Dow Jones down 1,200 points, the market tanked yesterday because of the fears of inflation. How ironic is that? I tell you, uh, this is really the gang that can't shoot straight. I mean, Joe Biden. uh, (laughs) Oh, Jimmy Breslin. There you go. The Gallo brothers. Right, right, an old friend of mine. Uh, No, I mean, this this whole thing with, with Biden, I mean, first of all, a president often is overtaken by the economy. It's not always the president's fault. In this case, this is all self-inflicted. From the day one where he cut back on oil production, stopped the pipeline, and all the uh, regulations on business, cutting back on jobs, he caused this himself. And then to have a, uh, a bill which has nothing to do with inflation, to say this is, you know, the, you know stop inflation now, whatever they call itself, you know, inflation reduction, and to have that on the day that inflation is at a 40-year high. I mean, this is uh, insanity. He, uh, yes, uh, he did do it on the same day where inflation hits a, a 40-year high. And again, the stock market down 1,200 points. Peter, let's hear some of this, uh, some of this nonsense yesterday. Where was uh, Biden, uh, Lou and Phil? Was he in Boston? Is that where he was when he spoke? Macedonia, Phil, where was he, you know? He has no idea. We're checking. <laughs> he has no idea. Oh, my House. God. All right, let, let's get to, uh, let's play Biden number, let's start with Biden number eight, Lou. Play that, Biden eight. But I believe... Republicans that could have and should have joined us on this bill as well. After all, this bill cut costs for families. Help reduce inflation at the kitchen table because that's what they look at. How much of their monthly bills and how much do they have to pay out for their necessities? And it gave them just a little more breathing room, as my dad would say. Now he goes on to say, Peter, you can remark about this. He goes on to say, this is hard to believe, this is the most significant bill in history, here's President Biden, number four. This couldn't have happened without every single one of you, and that's in a literal sense in the Senate. Every single one was required because the other team didn't want to play. And all our distinguished guests, CEOs, act- advocates, adv- activists, what? thank Hello? you for joining us. Try that again. And what a great day. Yeah, what a great day. Exactly four weeks ago today, I signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law. A single most important legislation passed in the Congress to combat inflation and one of the most significant laws in our nation's history, in my view. All right. Two things. First of all, Peter King, when he says most significant bill ever, 
How ridiculous is that? And secondly, for a guy that's always touting unity, and we know that speech he made two weeks ago tomorrow was, uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, I should say, was the most divisive, hateful speech ever. For a guy that always touts unity, every cut I play, he seems to be taking a shot at Republicans. Those two questions. Yeah, they're all cheap shots. And also, this is uh, not one of the best. It's one of the most expensive bills ever. It's going to add to inflation. And, again, he's dividing the country, and what's hypocritical about it, all he talks about is unity, and then he attacks Republicans. And also, i got to say, my big disappointment here was Joe Manchin. He had held firm, and then he caved in on this bill, and it's really uh, – I, I, I've known Joe Manchin. I respected him. But this was a – whether it was a sellout or whether he caved, I don't know what happened. Well, Bernie said, and I'm not sure if Bernie is <laughs> right about this, that he was promised a pipeline in West Virginia. Do you know about this? Yeah, he's been promised different things for his state, but now it appears as if the Democrats in the House are blocking that. They're oh. not going to give him what he wants because they're so mad at him for holding out for so long. And he's in trouble back home. I have uh, a guy I went to law school with, Lanny Bonnenberger. He knows West Virginia politics inside out. He lives outside of Wheeling. He says that uh, Manchin's numbers have never been lower. Democrats are mad at him for sort of holding out this time, all, all this time, and Republicans are furious with him for selling out. So, again, what he was offered, listen, you can always bargain for your state, but uh, not to put the country at risk. To, to do the good job he did in holding it up and then to cave in, right. to me, was uh, in, indefensible. Now, it would not be a Joe Biden <clears throat> speech, Peter King, and the audience, without Biden taking a shot at our guy, President Donald Trump. So he did it again. This is Biden Lewis cut number nine. The last guy had this job. The last guy. Well, <laughs> let me put it this way. Yeah. This bill finally delivers on a promise that I've made to the American people for decades. What is that? But Republicans choose not to join us. Mm-hmm. In the end, every single public will be voted against this historic law. So it fell to the Democrats to meet this moment and deliver for the American people. And that's exactly what we did. This is a slap in the face, as Larry Kudlow said yesterday, to any rational, decent American. Do they think we're really that stupid? Now, you just said, Peter, if anything, and you're right, inflation will get worse because of this bill, and it's going to cost a ton of money. Yet, yet Joe Biden continues to tell us that the deficit will be cut by $300 billion because of this bill. This is a Joe Biden-Lewis number 10. I want your thoughts after this, Pete. This bill will lower the deficit. This bill alone is going to lower the deficit by $300 billion over the next decade <laughs> because it's going to charge, pay less for prescription drugs. And that's on top of the $350 billion we reduced the deficit my first year. $350 billion <laughs> reduction. And for this, for this fiscal year, a trillion five hundred billion dollar reduction in the deficit. <laughs> so I don't want to hear it anymore about yeah, what? spending Democrats. We spend, but we pay. Now, is there any way that anybody can can prove that that's true? Saving three hundred billion, five hundred billion. We know, of course, that's not true. But Biden just throws those numbers out there, and all these morons in our country who vote Democrat believe him. But there's no real truth to any of that, is there, Peter? No. In fact, even Bernie Sanders has said this is going to have nothing to do with inflation. I mean, there's Bernie Sanders, you know, the arch uh, progressive and left winger in the Democratic Party, says this bill isn't what Joe Biden says it is. Now, I, I think he feels if he says something uh, long enough and. Uh, Enough times people are going to believe it. I think the people are seeing through it. I hope they do. 
because this has been this administration has been a disaster. I mean, I'm all enough to remember. I compare this to Jimmy Carter. I really do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Carter was far and away the worst president in my lifetime. If God's good to me, I'll be 56 in April. And now that Biden has come along, you're right, Peter. He's gone past him. So CNN was part of this whole celebration yesterday. Yeah. They love Joe Biden, you know. And uh, as I only would have it, they had a break away from Biden's celebration speech because, again, as I mentioned twice already today, the Dow Jones was having a brutal day. You can't make this up. So we're going to play these two cuts, but you're going to love this. CNN number 14 and CNN number 15. As Biden is celebrating, the stock market is literally tanking. CNN number 14. We got new inflation data today showing that consumer prices remain painfully high for Americans, which led to a really rough day for the stock market. Yeah, in fact, it was the worst day for the Dow since June of 2020, for the Dow since June of 2020 there. So historically bad day, but it wasn't just the Dow. It was all of the major averages. The S&P closed off 4.3%. The Nasdaq, the worst among them, closed off 5.1%. And what's happening here, Jake, is we got that report this morning that showed that inflation, while energy was declining, and a lot of other categories, Jake, inflation was still accelerating. Categories like shelter, categories like food. So that was uh, Jake Tapper, CNN. Now, the next couple we're going to play, Peter, actually has CNN breaking away from the Biden speech. They had no choice because of the lousy numbers for the Dow. Lewis, this is CNN number 15. Okay, you're listening there to President Biden at the White House. He's celebrating the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. He says that he's been fighting Big Pharma for decades. Um, but there is this unfortunate split screen right now with the Dow taking a total beating down more than 1,200 points. And so it feels like uh, it's hard to be celebratory for some people in the crowd. How great was that? This unfortunate split screen. I guess that was Dana Bash. I'm not sure. But even CNN couldn't celebrate, Peter, because they were giving the real numbers and the real truth. The worst day for the market in almost three years. And Joe Biden is taking a victory lap as if he's helping Americans. The truth is, folks, he's killing us. Yeah, in many ways, yesterday says it all. I mean, there's Joe Biden saying one thing, the world saying something else. I mean, the American economy is tanking and he's taking credit for the economy. So, you know, give him credit. I actually have a tweet here in front of me, and uh, 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 Alec got me this, and it's a picture of Joe Biden in his sunglasses and the whole thing, you know. And it says, Biden celebrates Dems Inflation Reduction Act, and the tweet goes on to say, we'll never be able to get over the image of Joe Biden speaking about how he single-handedly beat inflation as the stock market tanks over 1,200 points on live television due to inflation, an all-time moment in the history of American presidents. So I want to know, Peter, how your friends, and they are your friends, uh, what is her name? Our old friend from Miami there. She's the presidential historian, Lewis. What is her name? She was married to that guy. Doris Kearns Goodwin. Doris Kearns Goodwin. <clears throat> yeah. Michael Beschloss. How can they possibly come out today and say something nice about Joe Biden? Only because they are so consumed by hating Donald Trump that they will give every benefit of the doubt to Joe Biden, uh, it's just because he's not Donald Trump. That's the only reason they can say good things about Joe Biden, and their mind good things. Right. Now, now you, you, you spent so much time in Congress, uh, and you did work with both sides of the aisle. Everybody loves Peter King. So I would imagine that uh, you had to work with Biden, or you did stuff with Biden at least a couple of times over 40 years. How did that go? What was your relationship like with Joe Biden? It, w- it was fine. Uh, again, we didn't uh, uh, work so much on legislation. But I would see him at events. We'd talk. And he would throw a punch at you. He'd kid around. Yeah, yeah. He would always say, you know, your Irish grandparents must be turning over in their graves. You're hanging out with all these Republicans. 
But he would talk a lot, and then when it was all over, you sort of try to figure out what he said. Right. I mean, it was easy. even then, even yeah, back then. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, his his mind was working, but even when it's working, he's got sort of going in circles. He would get all excited. He talks, yeah. And then you, at the end of it, you say, "What was he so excited about?" I don't know what his point was, but uh, again, he was a nice enough guy. You know, he's very friendly with Aldamato. He was at Aldamato's yes. wedding, and now today, Aldamato is one of the uh, strongest opponents that Joe Biden has. I know that. Yes. Yeah. In fact, though, we celebrated Aldamato's birthday with our dear friend John Katsimatidis at the Gout Outing a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I can tell that Damato no love lost for Joe Biden. No, None. not at all. He is really disappointed. He was hoping that Biden would come in as a regular person. He'd be a Democrat, but he, you know, he worked with Republicans. He'd, right. He'd try to split the difference instead. He's just going down the line with the progressives. And, uh, again, it's like a, a mean spirit is coming out in him, too. So I don't know yeah. whether it was there all along or something has happened and triggered it. Right. But there's something there which this is not the Joe Biden that he says he was. Right. Now he's become a complete jerk-off. Can you say – would you say that ever on radio, Peter? Uh, no, I, I, you know, <laughs> you know, up till now I wouldn't. But, again, you know, you know when I'm with you – no matter what I say, it sounds tame, you know? I know, I know. Yeah. I do that. I want to make you sound just like that, tame and nice. Be careful, Congressman. Yeah. He'll get you to do oh, it. Oh, we careful. got four hours. Yeah, I know. He's trying oh, to get we me got four. I know what's going really? on. I, I've I know. never done a show with Peter. Bernie's done it before where Pete's been in for four hours. So you're going to find yourself in, in a couple of very precarious situations today. Traps oh, yeah. sure. I have yeah. decided from staying the whole four hours. I mean, this is uh, already, it seems like three and a half That's hours. a good point. That's right. You can leave, you can leave at any time. You're not uh, under arrest. That's right. Uh, One, that's funny. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. A couple of really good guests stopping by today. It is the Wednesday edition of the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City by a distance and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. We are Bernie and Sid with today, Sid Rosenberg and the great Congressman Peter King. Keep it right here, folks, some more Smashing Pumpkins on your hump day Wednesday morning. Podcast Network. Nothing. Mark Knopfler, Hall of Fame band, Dire Straits, 625, your hump day Wednesday, back on Bernie and Sid with Sid and Peter King today. Pete, you ever write a book? A 
Have I written a book? Yes. Yeah, I've written three novels, yeah. Three novels. Uh, none of them about yourself, though, right? They've been... Uh... Well, uh, characters in there, uh, some of them are based on me, but I, I'm like more like an observer in the uh, novels. I, unlike you, I'm not a superhero. Right. <laughs> so you wrote three fiction novels right. based loosely on you. Yeah, yeah, based on events that I saw. The first one was about uh, Northern Ireland uh, and uh, U.S. involvement. second one tied into the Irish peace process and Bill Clinton's impeachment. And the third one was based on 9-11. Wow. And so what was, so was that the last book you've written the, 21 years ago? Yeah, that was the last one, yeah. It's, right. uh, it really takes a lot out of you. It takes a lot well, of time. Well, I was going to say yeah. that to you. It's a second job. Like, yeah. like, And I've got a two-week rollout period. Uh, again, last night we played it. I was on Newsmax, Sean Spicer. Last week I did Fox and Friends with Brian Kilmeade. Today, for example, I'm doing Bill O'Reilly's podcast. That's a big deal. Yep. Tomorrow I'll be doing Chaz Palminteri's podcast. That's a big deal. Can I just say, Chaz Palminteri is one of the most decent people I've ever met in my life. What He's a, a great, great guy, guy he is. Great, great guy. guy. He was actually on Fox Business yesterday. I was in Newsmax getting ready to do Sean Spicer's show, and I saw Chaz on one of the TVs on Fox Business, and he was talking about the, uh, the growing costs of food. Because yeah. he owns two restaurants yep. here in New York. Great restaurants. Yes. Yeah. So I'll do his uh, podcast tomorrow. Then Friday, I'm going to tape Brian Kilmeade show, which airs Saturday night on Fox News, and then do a live hit with Bob and Katrina at Newsmax at 2.30. Point is, every damn day, right. I'm doing something else. And I have to do it because I've got like two, three weeks to really push the book, as you know. So to your point, you said it, it becomes like a second job. It really does. By the way, the book is great. I was... Uh Fortunate to be at your launch down at Michael's of Brooklyn that day. And, ah, thank you. Uh, read the book. It's really a quick read. It's good. And it, you know, it says a lot about you. It really does. It's uh, anyone who wants to know about Sid Rose, if they want to know about you. <laughs> a lot of people do. Every t- I said this before. Anywhere I go, people talk about the show. And they, I think people wonder whether you're saying, what is Sid really like? Is yeah. it really that way? Is yeah. that the way he really is? said, what you hear is what you get. No, that is true. Sid, the it, real, yeah, un, unfiltered, unvarnished. You got him. You know, somebody asked me yesterday, because tonight, for example, I'm going to the Met game with Bill O'Reilly. And this is the third Met game that Bill O'Reilly is taking me to. And tonight, in fact, not just going to the Met game with Bill O'Reilly, but we're having dinner before with Steve Cohen. In his suite, wow, the owner go. of the Mets. Yeah, it's a big deal. Rosenberg, O'Reilly, and Steve Cohen. And um, somebody said to me, they go... She, she got O'Reilly's outnumbered tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Two Jews and one yeah, Irishman, yeah. that's right. Almost a minion or something, yeah, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> So they go, what, you know, this O'Reilly-Rosenberg friendship, they said, I can see it because I think O'Reilly is, is enamored with you because he looks at you and he goes, this guy doesn't seem like the everyday guy that I'd be hanging out with or talking to, but there's something about Rosenberg that I find charming and smart and fun. So, again, when you see me and Bill O'Reilly sitting together in a Met game, you're like, wait, those two, that doesn't exactly make sense. But this person told me last night they can see why Bill O'Reilly finds me charming. And that was not my wife, by the way. Well, I know it's not your wife. I, I can see the smart. I can see the fun. I'm still looking for the charm. But uh, I assume that's an acquired taste. It is an acquired taste, uh, you no are, doubt about it. You are New York. You are New York. You really are. For better or worse, you are New York. Well, you wrote that uh, after the Michaels appearance on your Facebook page. And, and it's funny you say that because right after that, I was on Mark Levin's radio show. Right. And Mark Levin uh, referred to me as the quote-unquote quintessential New Yorker. So in a, in a period of 10 days, you on Facebook wrote about me being Mr. New York, basically. Mark Levin called me the quintessential New Yorker. I was honored and humbled to hear both of those things. But why do you think that's the case with me, you? Uh, 
I, I just see you are a neighborhood guy. You obviously you have attained a lot of fame and popularity, and everything, but you're still your heart and soul is still back in the neighborhood. Right. You're still the Jewish kid from Brooklyn. That's it. Uh, who, who really loves the streets, loves to hang out with characters, uh, good, good and bad. You see everything in New York, and you, you know, to you it all makes sense. Some people, New York is madness. They can never figure it out. With you, it's normal life. You understand it all. You fit right in with all the craziness of New York. You just nailed it perfectly. And you understand all the ethnic differences. Yeah. People want to make believe that doesn't exist. You have all these different ethnic groups, all different races, different minority, majorities, everything else. But everyone has their own distinct style. And you are, you're able to see and appreciate that and not make believe we're all the same. Well, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. And you nailed it. That's me. You know, look, I may come to work wearing a very fancy sport jacket today, the garage, Anthony, and a nice yellow button-down shirt from Geneva. Are you Custom making fun shirts. of me for coming in an old shirt? Well, you don't, I mean, you're not exactly dressed like I am this morning, but you look very nice. It's a nice shirt. A New York Police Department intelligence shirt. That's Who gave you that? I'm just curious. Yeah, when I uh, was in Congress, I had a, uh, a security detail from the NYPD. Ray Kelly started it, and then uh, Bratton and... Uh, uh, German Trey continued it. Uh, and you know, they gave me the shirt. You know, it's nice. Yeah, these guys on, on the detail, they, they gave it to me. And uh, so I figured I'd, I'd, you know, I'd wear it in here today. It's a nice shirt. But, but, <laughs> yeah. but my, when I get home, for example, every day, I don't dress like this. You will see me every afternoon walking up and down the streets of Rockaway with my son Gabriel or my gorgeous wife Danielle or my daughter Ava, who's about to leave me, wearing, you know, like a giant sweatshirt, a pair of old shorts, and flip flops. And that's basically me, going to the diner in Brooklyn, going to an Italian restaurant in Brooklyn, eating somewhere, maybe uh, Harbor Lights or right. Pico or La Sorrentina or Rocco's in Rockaway. And that's me. You know, the fancy clothing and all that stuff. That's great for the show. It's great for the Sid Rosenberg radio persona. But you're right. Huh? I am Brooklyn, New York, all the way. I'm all Brooklyn. So you're trying to... Uh inspire or impress Macedonia Phil by wearing all these yes, outfits? Yes, yes. He's another one. He comes to work every day like in a basketball jersey. I don't... Uh, I used to do that when I was a kid, too, I guess. How about Rafino? He's still wearing... Uh, I miss his old clothes. He does. He's st- and, he, and he wears, like, these rock and roll T-shirts. You know, like something out of Beavis and Butthead, Lou. <laughs> <laughs> if it's but clean. It is clean. That's good. But how, think, think about how many years... Lou Rafino, Peter, has been this this steadying force. I mean, in that position where he is running this board, playing, the, yeah. he's the best ever, and, and I mean that sincerely. He's the best ever in that position, and here he is, thirty plus years later, after I miss back with me and Bernie. How crazy is that? Is that nuts? I tell you, his life is going in circles. It really is. Yeah. But no, he's great. He sits there at the board like he's everything is calm. He reminds me like of uh, air traffic controller. Yes. He, he that or a guy calling in bombing missions. You know, he's I just, can see that. That's yeah. very good. That's yeah. a very good analogy. You like that, Lewis? I, I, I don't need air traffic controller after this job. No, please. I mean, I don't want that. No, please. Now, Thank t- you, though, Congressman. Tell me about this. Uh, by the way, uh, good morning to my friend Jonathan Siegel listening right now. Good morning, John. Tell me about uh, this guy, Anthony Diaz-Pazito, who said to join us at 740. Yeah, Anthony's a great guy. He's a, a councilman in the town of Hempstead, which is 800,000 people. It's a big deal. Uh, he was a uh, NYPD detective at over 800 arrests. He's a chief down in the Island Park Fire Department. Uh, he's a fighter for the middle class. He's totally supporting the cops, obviously. And he's running for Congress in the 4th Congressional District. Uh, districts have all been redrawn, but what he has now, this district that he's running in, is pretty uh, almost the same as the one that I first ran in 30 years ago. Okay. Uh, and it's a, it's a lot of solid people, solid communities, basically South Shore. I'm roughly from Seaford on the east to Valley Stream on the west. Anthony's a tough fighter. In fact, this... Uh, uh, Saturday, uh, Melissa, who you know, yes. she and her husband had this block party in Belmore, 
and they invited Anthony to it, and he showed up. He was going down. People like him. People really liked him. He identified. And he's a real guy. You'll find out from talking to him. He's the real deal. He's unvarnished. He makes no attempt to uh, act like he's somebody else. He's uh, Anthony D'Esposito from Island Park. He, uh, he's been following me on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney forever. He likes all my pictures. I mean, like, for at least a year. And he's got the blue check, which I don't have. And I'm like, who is this guy? Council person, local politician, sweet as can be on my Instagram account. So when you asked me a couple of days ago, is it okay if he comes on with me? I'm like, yes. Because, again, I've seen his name on my social media for like a year. So he's been following me in the show. He yeah, must listen every day. Yeah, no, he does. No, he's, he's a big fan. In fact, uh, I'm getting more credit from National Republicans when they heard that I was involved in getting Anthony on the show, they don't care about me. They want Anthony <laughs> out there. And not, listen, he's going to have a tough race because there's more Democrats and Republicans in that district. And with each reapportionment, the district got tougher for Anthony. But he is, I think, well-positioned to uh, run, to win. And the Republicans behind him. But more than that, I mean, like on, on Saturday, there were people there with Democrats, independents. Yeah. He, he, he can speak the language. He's talking about crime. He's talking about crime over and over again. He's talking about middle-income families who too often get forgotten, whether it's by Kathy Hochul or whether it's by Joe Biden. All right. We'll talk to Dove Hyken later, too. There's a big uh, deal with the yeshivas, you know, the uh, the city now, the public schools. They want to run yeshivas like they run the public schools. Right. And obviously the folks who own and run those yeshivas, they don't want that. I, I know you're aware of uh, all this. Yeah, in fact, I was with Lee Zeldin the other night, uh, Joe Cairo, the Republican chairman. I like a, Joe. He's a good guy. Really good guy. Really yeah. solid guy. Uh, he, had a, he had a small gender with some uh, big big people in Nassau County. And uh, Lee was talking about how he's working with uh, Dove Hyken. Duff Hyken endorsed Lee the other day, which is a big thing. And I tell you, I think, Lee, I was around for the Pataki race in 94 where he didn't have any chance to win at all, and he won. I sense the same feeling today. People, I mean, I, if you go down the street, you may find people who say they're Democrats. Is anyone going to say, I'm going to wake up in the morning, go out and vote for Kathy Hochul? If they vote for her, it's because she's on the Democratic line. Right. But there was no support for Kathy Hochul. No. People did like Mario Cuomo. Right. People did like in, Andrew Cuomo. A lot of people disliked him. But I don't know of anyone who says, God, I love Kathy Hochul. No, it's similar to the uh, Joe Biden-Trump race. Nobody voted for Joe Biden, Peter King. Nobody. They just voted against Donald Trump. Right. So in this case, they'd be voting against the Republican, Lee Zeldin, not because they like Kathy Hochul. So we got a couple of really good guests stopping by today. All the news, all the fun you want, Sid Rosenberg and Peter King. But it is 6.36 on your hump day Wednesday morning. Time now for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Lou Rufino. What is that today? On the this air traffic control. No, just kidding. Traffic <laughs> and sports is coming up next, Sid. Uh, right now it's the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the future is now with James Golden, also known as AKA. Well, by the way, Bo Snurdly, and yes. I made my very first appearance ever on the Bo Snurdly show yesterday afternoon, and the guy was a sweetheart. He's great. I was back in the studio because Newsmax is right across the street for like 30 minutes. And he's like, oh, sit there. Put him on. Put him on. He was so nice and so sweet. Way to go, Bo Snow. Wait, before you were on the show, you were always, you were always knocking the hell out of the guy. Oh, I thought the guy was a jerk. Oh, yeah, no. two, two days ago. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. Two days ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't, Pete, Pete, why am I part of the show? What is, what's going on it's here? Very, it's, very, it's very simple. When you're nice to me and you do what I want you to do, it's all good. If not, then I bash you. That's how it works. So if I put on Facebook tomorrow, this is the worst day I ever had with Sid yes. Rose, I'm gone. I'm forgotten. You're, you're finished. I'm, 
Finished. The worst congressman ever. Worst congressman ever. Okay, Why did Peter it. King say that about me? <laughs> I can't believe it. Justin, get in here. I don't even understand why Sid would say that about me. But anyway, with James uh, Golden on the Red Apple Podcast Network, download, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hear Bo and James Eisenberg talk about crypto. With me is James Eisenberg, who is the chief investment officer and managing partner of Interblock Capital Partners. We've talked about is blockchain for real, and we've talked about how these a lot of the headlines talk about how what a fraud it is and a Ponzi and it's a you know passing fad. Well, you're not going to have leading universities adopt full-on programs and hire professors and build labs out for these technologies if they thought this was a passing fad. Plus, they're all invested in the space too. This is Sid on Sports. Oh my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Uh, it's Justin Ellick, and for Sid, for your bottom of the hour sports update, again, sponsored by Peerless Boilers, Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters, go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. They are America's best built boilers. Some good news and bad news to get to from the Diamond yesterday. Let's start with the good news in the Yankees, who made the trip to Beantown to take on the Red Sox in the first of two from Fenway. The contest was back and forth between these two all night, but the Bombers had an advantage in the form of one Aaron Judge. AJ launched home run number 56 on the year in the sixth inning to tie the game at three before coming up again in the eighth inning for an encore, this time sending one on to Lansdowne Street to not things at four. High fly ball, deep left field. There it goes. See ya. Number 57. Aaron Judge, four away from Roger Maris. The second home run of the night for Judge. His 57th of the year, and we're all tied at four. Uh, calls courtesy of the great Michael K. and John Sterling. With the two homers last night, Judge is now two ahead of Roger Maris' 1961 pace to break the American League's single-season home run record of 61 ding-dongs. Gleyber Torres would make sure the Judgian blast would not go to waste as he came through in extras with a bases-clearing double in the 10th to propel the Yanks to victory. 7-6 is your final score from Fenway as the Yanks will go for the two-game sweep tonight at 7-10 p.m. Eastern time. Nestor Cortez will toe the rubber against Boston's Brian Bello. As for the Mets, well, they continue to go belly up against the league's worst teams as they suffered another loss last night at the hands of the lowly Chicago Cubs. Journeyman Adrian Sampson did the nearly impossible and outpitched Jacob deGrom and the New York Bats fell flat again in support of their ace and a route to the 4-1 loss in Queens. With the Braves winning in San Francisco 5-1, the Metropolitan lead in the division shrinks back down to a half game as the Mets will try and salvage the series finale tonight at 7-10 p.m. Eastern. David Peterson will take the hill going up against Chicago's Drew Smiley. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update again. Thanks to Peerless Boilers, Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Ernie and Sid in the Morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you? I 
Oasis at 6.48 on your Wednesday morning. Folks, this Saturday and Sunday, September the 17th and 18th, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks are recognizing their fans with Fan Appreciation Night. Prior to the Ferry Hawks game Saturday against the Long Island Ducks, kids get to run the bases, and following the game, they stay for the big fireworks show. Then, on Sunday, get team autographs. Kids run the bases once again following the game. Caller number 9 right now at 1-800-848-WABC gets a family four-pack of tickets to either the Saturday game or the Sunday Ferry Hawks game against the Long Island Ducks. 1-800-848-9222. Do it right now and celebrate Fan Appreciation Night with the Staten Island Ferry Hawks this weekend. For more chances to win tickets to the Ferry Hawks game, go to wabcradio.com slash ferryhawks. Taking on the Long Island Ducks... Our old friend Bud Harrelson, the great New York Mets shortstop, used to coach that team, manage that team. You know that team very, very well, Peter. Yeah, Frank Bolton, the owner, was a great guy. Buddy Harrelson was uh, a manager out there. He was a coach. He was uh, also he's a part owner. I think he's, he was the uh, first vice president. Great guy. And uh, he's one of the first people, unfortunately, that I met, actually watched somebody deteriorate from Alzheimer's. Yeah. I used to, starting about 10, 12 years ago, I used to throw out a first pitch every year. And it was always arranged, you know, Buddy would be the catcher, and he would talk to you. And I suddenly started noticing about five or six years ago that he was like a step slower. So yeah. then, then it reached the stage where it was always he would catch the pitch, and you'd run to the uh, first baseline, he'd autograph and make a big thing out of that. And this one year he said, you have my name. There's no need for me to sign it again. He couldn't even sign his oh name. Oh, my God. And uh, again, he was just a great, great guy. Uh, Here's what New York baseball is all about. Buddy uh, he was. He was tough. Yeah. He was gritty. And, of course, uh, you remember very, very well little dust-up with mm-hmm. Pete Rose at second base. Yeah, when Buddy's office in, in the uh, Ducks complex, he had the picture of him duking it out with uh, Pete Rose. Yeah. Yeah, listen, Pete Rose is supposed to be the toughest guy in baseball. Buddy didn't back down in that at all. And I think Pete probably out, out, outweighed him by 50 pounds. Or yeah. So. yeah. But Buddy was a great, great guy. He's really, you know, really beloved. Now, did you become a New York Met fan? Again, I'm going to the Met game later on tonight with Bill O'Reilly. Me and Bill, thanks to Bill, set to uh, dine in Steve Cohen's suite with the owner of the Mets tonight. That's how much pull Bill O'Reilly has. And I'm very excited about it. Mets and Cubs later on today. But did you, uh, were you a Met fan right away? Were you a Brooklyn Dodger fan? They went to, to uh, Los Angeles. Then you became a Met fan. How did your Met uh, love come about, Peter? Yeah, yeah, I was a fanatical Brooklyn Dodger fan. Went to Everett's Field. I lived and died with the Brooklyn Dodgers. When they went to, uh, in fact, I went to the last day game at Ebbets Field in uh, 1957. I remember Duke Snyder hit two home runs. Oh, wow. Don, Dres- Don Drysdale was uh, 20 years old, won his 17th game, and the Mets beat the Phillies. They beat Robin Roberts. I remember all this stuff. But I, t- I was heartbroken. It was like, to me, it was the end of the world. It's hard to describe. It's probably, you know, remember, in those days, it was, it was baseball. Pro football wasn't even that big a deal yet. Right. Not the Giants. The Giants a little bit, but not much. A little bit. That was like, uh, they had just started like the year before with their dynasty. They were not, uh, it was not an everyday uh, you know, thing like it is today. And then also, you know, the Knicks were around, and Rangers, there was like 15,000 Ranger fans, and that was it. They filled the garden, but nobody else cared about right. hockey. Right, right. So anyway, Dodgers went, and it was really, it was, it was terrible four years. 
And when they came back, uh, they came back as the Mets. When Gil Hodges came back, Clem LeBine came back, Charlie Neal, they had like five Dodgers on that first team. And so I just was Met fan from the start. And uh, when they, of course, won in uh, 1969, Gil Hodges had been, always been my favorite player. Anyway, I just have been with the Mets all along. I've matured in life. I no longer hate the Yankees. I enjoy watching them. I don't root for them. But one thing I can say about the Yankees, Aaron Judge, I don't think this is getting enough publicity. I remember when Roger Maris was chasing a baby. It was every day. It was so much that Roger Maris' ass started to fall out. Yep, it was, yep, uh, yep. Now he, you know, he hits 56, 57 home runs, and people are taking it for granted. This is a great season. This is an all-time great season. It is. I think part of it is, Peter, the steroid era, the whole home run thing, whether it was Mark McGuire yeah. or Barry Bonds or Sammy Sosa. Brady Anderson had 50 home runs one year for Baltimore. Yeah. He was clearly juiced out of his mind. So not that um, that judge is juicing. He may not be. Who knows? But I think the home run thing has lost some of the luster because of the juice era. A-Rod, all those guys. Yeah, that could be. Uh, I think, again, I don't know Aaron Judge at all, but he seems to be a first-class guy. And we have Aaron Judge. We have uh, you know Pete Alonzo, who I have met a few times. I, I know him. Not know him, but I, I met him a few times. I used to go with the Mets every year, Fred Wilpon. The Mets were the only team that goes as a team to Bethesda you know, to see all the wounded warriors. Even the Baltimore Orioles were there. They sent two players. The Mets would go out and bust the whole team. Wow. And uh, Pete Alonzo was great. Uh, Dominic Smith was great with the players. David Wright, I mean, over the veterans, these guys really put their heart and soul into it. Bartolo Colon, yeah. it was terrific. So I was like, I, I'll tell you one funny story on that, though. First time I went out with the Mets, I got on the team, meet them at the hotel. I'm talking to some of the players. This is great. I got on the bus early on, so I figured, you know, I shouldn't be sitting up front. Let me sit in the back. That's more appropriate. It was the worst decision I ever met. I didn't know all the Hispanic guys sit in the back, and they're talking Spanish all the way out. Oh, I know my God, on. that's funny. I missed the whole thing. You know, oh, that's so, funny. I'm sitting there saying, what's going on? So after that, I sat up front and I talked to David Wright and all that. But really, at first, they were great guys, but yeah. I didn't say a word that was going on. Oh, you know? that's funny. Me David like, Wright's a great guy, too, by the way. Oh, great guy. Wonder, what great a guy. Yeah, guy yeah. And, uh, but, you know, really that doesn't surprise me with the Mets going to Bethesda because we just, um, last Sunday, commemorated 21 years since 9-11, yeah. and no disrespect to Joe Torrey and the Yankees. Jim Fossil did a very good job with the Giants, God rest his soul. Right. But the one team, the one team that really went above and beyond using uh, Shea Stadium as a triage right. was the New York Mets. Bobby Valentine was tremendous. Johnny Franco, yep. he became the face of 9-11. So, again, no disrespect to the local clubs, but the Mets were the one team, uh, more than any other, I think you'd agree, that really went out of their way to make sure folks were taken care of after 9-11. Yeah, I say this in the most positive way. Bobby Valentine became almost obsessed with 9-11. That was, uh, he put everything into that. Uh, almost the extent, I think, of putting more attention to that than he did to the Mets, which is a tribute to Bobby. And John Franco, who's a wonderful guy, you're right. He was he was like Mr. New York when it came. And, you know, the other guys are all good, but John Franco, his father was a sanitation worker. Yep. He's, a, he's a Staten Island, Brooklyn guy. Uh, and just, you know, you see, first of all, he looks the same as he did when he was pitching. Totally. Some guys, you see them, you don't recognize them. Yeah. And Franco looks like he go out and, you know, to- bring him into clothes. Looks totally the same. You're yeah. exactly right. And he knew a lot of guys who died in the building that day. He did. He was he friends did, with yeah. a lot of cops and firemen. Yeah. So 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Off to a great start on this hump day Wednesday morning. Already almost an hour in the books. It's the lethal one-two combination of Sid Rosenberg and Congressman Peter King on this, the number one rated talk show in New York City. Bernie and Sid, my man Bernie McGurk, only right here on Talk Radio 77 
WABC. Some more Oasis, Champagne Supernova on the way out. And you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Sowing the Seeds of Love, hour number two, hump day Wednesday, Bernie and Sid in the morning with Sid and Peter King, 7.05. We start a stretch today, excuse me, of uh, like seven consecutive gorgeous days. Sun splashed, about 80 degrees, not very humid, not very hot. This is a beautiful time of the year, Peter, to be in uh, New York. The weather's gorgeous, No. No, it's absolutely great. In fact, not to be morbid, it reminds me of uh, September 11th. That yeah, was, it does. That was the most beautiful day of the year. That it was really absolutely was. beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it really was. So talking about 9-11 and all the work you've done post-9-11, you've done some amazing work. You really have. You'll be humble, but you really have. You've even made the, that a-hole John Stewart look like a decent person, which is not easy because he's really a dick face. But uh, you've done it. But I want to take <laughs> yeah, I don't know, dick face. So I want to take you back to a, a memory, Peter. Uh, it was, I guess, after 9-11, and uh, maybe you were working with Homeland Security at that point. When did you get there? Tom Ridge started with Homeland Security. When did you get there? What year? Yeah, actually, Tom was, uh, had been a congressman and governor, then he became secretary of Homeland Security. Right. Uh, but I, at the very beginning, right? He was two, the first one. In 2002. Yeah, 2002. No, 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 because he was on the phone with Imus in November of 2001, two months after, and I was the one who went to Imus yeah, and okay. ta- yeah, tell Tom Ridge right. that plane just crashed yeah, in Rockaway. Right. Uh, President Trump made him like the top advisor for Homeland Security, uh, but they didn't have a Homeland Security Department. President then. Bush. President I mean, Bush, I mean, yeah. Right, right. Uh, they didn't have a Homeland Security Department until the following year. Oh, they I got it. On. So okay. he was like the uh, uh, President Bush's chief advisor for Homeland Security. Tom was a great guy. He was a, I think he was the only member of Congress who had been an infantryman in Vietnam. He was a Harvard graduate, became governor of Pennsylvania, and then uh, President Bush made him his Homeland Security advisor. And then the next year, he became Secretary of Homeland Security. I was I became chairman of the committee in 2005. I went on the original committee in 2003 when they formed it, and then became chairman in 2005. And then I come back again as chairman in 2000, uh, 2011. Wow. And so I was a top Republican on the committee for about 10 years. Now, how does that happen? Is that something that you say, hey, I want to do this? Somebody recommend you? Because you were perfect for the job. You did a great job. How did you end up getting with them more than once with that uh, department? Yeah, uh, actually, I... Uh 
when the committee was being formed, I went to the speaker and said, I really want to be on this committee. And so I was I was probably like the fourth ranking person. And the first chairman was a guy, Chris Cox from California. And then he became head of the Securities Exchange Commission in the summer of 2005. And in the Republican Party, the way it's done, you run. You have, uh, if you want to become chairman of a committee, it's called a screening committee. And uh, so anyway, four of us ran for that position. And uh, I was uh, I, I was elected. And uh, so I became chairman. And uh, we actually got a lot done that first year. We passed Port Security Bill, a chemical plant security bill. Uh, we uh, got money sent to uh, New York and uh, uh, mainly New York. New York needed it. After that, they tried to divert it to other places. I yeah. mean, you know, what does South Dakota need Homeland Security? I mean, please, for? give me yeah. a break. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the one person that is always bragging about all the money she got for New York post 9-11 is Hillary Clinton. And when I look back at Hillary Clinton's political career, which was just one big wet fart, she did nothing. She did. She did get the money for New York after that. But, I mean, give me a break. I mean, who would not have gotten that money? Do you give Hillary Clinton credit for getting the money for New York when she was a, a, a senator here? Yeah, actually, I, I found Hillary Clinton easy to work with. Uh, I really? Do, uh, yeah, and I, I, I have to say, and uh, uh, it'll probably offend some of you, you know, some of your listeners, I had a very good working relationship with Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. Uh, well, by the way, I, I love Bill Clinton. Yeah. I voted for Bill Clinton, and, and that first term he was a tremendous— Now, I knew, of course, all the things he was doing was going to come back to bite somebody in the ass, and then walks stupid President Bush 43, right. and he got hit over the head with everything that Clinton allowed to happen, including all that mortgage stuff and, and all that. But you, you had to love Bill Clinton at least the first four or five years. No, you I, had to. Yeah, I, well, he, he uh, got a lot done in his own way. I always felt that if he could have focused more on the job, think of what he could have gotten done. Then I was thinking maybe he almost needed that pressure. Like the pressure of impeachment in some ways was a high for him. I mean, I use the example in 1998 when he was under impeachment. Uh, the whole year it was Monica Lewinsky. That was also the year that he settled the Irish peace process. And that had been gone for 800 years they've been fighting. Wow. And Bill Clinton, uh, some people said, you know, the craziest situation in Europe who better to solve it than Bill Clinton? He understood all the characters. I would have people from Ireland and Northern Ireland and England telling me that he understood their people more than they did. It all fitted in with Bill Clinton. He was able to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Actually, Hillary, I got along. And I have to say, when my mother died, she was the first person to call. No so, kidding. Yeah. So I had a good relationship with Hillary Clinton. I understand why people... Don't like uh, I again. I, I'm just saying it personally means something to me. I I had no reason not to. Uh, well, now I'm going to get like all this hate mail. Peter, King, I understand. Don't I understand, put it back yeah. on the show anymore. Right. And you know that happens. You know. Oh, I, I know. That's why yeah. I said. I'm I mean, when you were okay with that infrastructure bill uh, about a couple of months back, I got I got I had to defend right. you every day. I'm like, don't send me anything nasty about Peter <laughs> King. That's my friend. I don't care what you think. And by the way, I'm with him. I thought the infrastructure deal was pretty good. Uh, Ken Starr talking about uh, Hillary and yeah. Bill. He actually died yesterday. Do you know him? No, it's funny. The only dealing I had with Ken Starr, I was one of the only Republicans who was defending Bill Clinton during the whole impeachment thing. And, of course, Ken Starr was the face of the people trying to get Bill Clinton. And one night I was catching a late plane out of Washington. If you ever took the shuttle, like the 9 o'clock shuttle, sometimes there's only three people on the plane. I get on, the only other guy is Ken Starr. Is that (laughs) right? How about that? So we looked at each other, sort of smiled, I guess. My understanding was he was a nice guy, very uptight, very, uh, uh, 
not judgmental, but self-righteous. He would not survive on your show. No. I mean, he would turn no. you off in one second. You'd be oh, gone. No. I'd you eat know. him for lunch, Pete. Yeah. You kidding me? But uh, <laughs> so, but he was in over his head. There was uh, that, that. That was like a, a battle of vultures in the whole Bill Clinton impeachment on both sides. Yeah. And Ken Starr was sort of the the face of the Republican Party on that or the Republican opposition. Right. Right. But uh, he was not. I don't think he was a bad guy. But again, he uh, he had some real. I think it's dangerous when you start criminalizing politics. Whatever Bill Clinton did, he did. Uh, you know, the human mistakes. If you looked into every president's life, whether it was Thomas Jefferson, uh, whether it was Franklin Roosevelt, whether it was Warren Harding, John Kennedy, even Eisenhower, when he was over in Europe, he supposedly had an affair with a woman. I mean, uh, Kennedy was the worst. Yeah. Well, I mean, Kennedy used to have whores uh, in and out of the Oval Office almost every day. So, in your mind, is it making the worst or the best? The best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, let's get back to how this whole conversation started, which was a great conversation because Peter King can talk about everybody. He knows Bill Clinton. He knows Hillary Clinton. knows everybody. Uh, I, I wanted to bring you back to post-9-11, yeah. a certain appearance you made with a certain gentleman who's no longer with us. A little walk down memory lane for Peter King. This is Pete and the I-Man. And when I asked why the Democrats insisted on a two-thirds majority, he said that was to expedite the bill. But the criticism has been that it was to keep either Republicans or other Democrats or someone from adding amendments to it. So we asked you to appear to try to explain it to us. Please do that. Yeah, thank you, Don. This is a vital, vital bill. Uh, I uh, strongly supported the bill. I voted for the bill. I was the original co-sponsor of the bill with Carol Maloney and Jerry Nadler. We worked on this for over five years. This shows the fact how I made this a bipartisan issue. I was never ever going to make this Republican or Democratic issue. Now, the reason they wanted to go to the two-thirds vote is they were afraid to have that the Republicans might offer an amendment or they might make it was called a motion to recommit to change the bill. Now, the Democrats can control the whole process. so They can limit how long the debate goes and everything else. So they could have limited it to one motion. And they were afraid the Republicans would make a motion to exclude illegal immigrants from the coverage of the bill. And people in the Hispanic Caucus and others basically threaten the Democratic leadership and say, if that vote is allowed, there's basically going to be a revolution in the Democratic Party. Bring back a uh, nice memory. You and Don? <laughs> Bring back memories. And uh, First, I appreciate Don giving me the opportunity to come on to explain that. But uh, what that was all about is, to oversimplify it, uh, that we, had the, we finally had the votes to pass the 9-11 bill. We would have had probably 60% of the votes. Unfortunately, a lot of Republicans from the South were against it. And then they found out that uh, the Republicans might force them to vote on a, a vote on immigration, and they were afraid to have that vote. So they killed the whole thing. They they knew it wasn't going to get two thirds, but they could blame Republicans for it going down. And so I must let me to come on and explain it. And uh, we finally got it through at the end of that year, but it was unnecessary four month delay, and it was done really for cheap politics. And uh, I never let poli- listen. I'm, I'm no saint, but when it comes to issues like nine eleven. Or, you know, you're about human life. You don't get involved in these petty games. There's enough stuff you can do petty games. I agree. You know, I was speaking last night at the Metropolitan Republican Club on East 83rd Street. Uh, this adorable young lady, Krisha Lenzo. I know who Krisha is, but she, she's out there pimping up Joe Pinion and Michael Henry, all these good young Republicans, right. you know. She's a great girl. And uh, she convinced me to go speak there. They sold my book. It was a really nice night. But I started off by saying... If you would have said to Sid Rosenberg 20 years ago when I was down in Miami doing sports talk radio, 
that somewhere around 2022, I'd be hosting the number one political news talk show in New York City, and I'd be speaking at a Republican club on the Upper East Side, begging people to vote for people like Lee Zeldin and Donald Trump. I would have said you were nuts. And when I hear Imus talk to you about stuff like that, too, I mean, people forget Don was Howard. You know, Don was, uh, you know, uh, girls and, uh, you know, cheap humor and offensive stuff and all that. And all of a sudden, one day he woke up and said, OK, I'm going to be like a real political guy, you know. And he went on to become this this mega superstar doing that. So I, I, I kind of understand that because I made the transition from doing dopey sports talk to serious stuff like this. But we still, of course, have some dopey stuff on this show, too, just like I missed it. Not comparing myself necessarily to I missed it, but it's very similar. I mean, you just said dopey stuff. You looked at it, Lou Rufino. Well, that's, that's part of it. That's why I'm not looking at him. <laughs> but very similar yeah. in that respect, yeah. how, you know, you make the, the, the change, the transition for I miss and for me into this, and uh, Don became that guy. I mean, I remember I, I would be walking every – I went to rehab, and I would get cards, uh, Peter, from people like Orrin Hatch mm-hmm. in Utah, get well. I'm like – Wait a second. How does Orrin Hatch know who I am? I've forgotten, of course. I'm on TV every day with Imus. But that was the pull that Don Imus had. That's the pull we've got now, me and Bernie. And you've been a part of both shows, so congratulations. Well, thank you. I mean, Imus, you're right. He had people like Bob Dole, John McCain, Donald Trump in those days. Yes. Now, Orrin Hatch, can you imagine... Anyway, a mismatch. Orrin Hatch and Don Imus. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Orrin Hatch was, was this religious Mormon from Utah, right? A, a gentleman. I he, he never even thought of a curse word. Never mind saying them. Right. And then he's always a lunatic like Imus. You know? And he loved him. He loved yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Did you enjoy doing the Imus show? Is it because uh, a lot of people did it because they knew it was great exposure, but they were scared to death. They didn't really enjoy it. No, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and also. Uh, if, if Bernie's listening, oh, usually Bernie would call me ten minutes before. Because again, you know, I was down in Washington then. You couldn't, you couldn't really hear the show. And if you, uh, this is even before MSNBC. Well, before it was on TV, yeah. right? Right. And, anyway, Bernie would call me up and tell me what kind of a mood Imus is in and what he's talking about. And he'd say, you know, go at him, go at him. Oh, it'd be nice to him. He's in a good mood today. Whatever it was, right? Right. Me, you know? Yeah, that's what Bernie did with me too. I'd be in Miami and I'd be calling in to do sports, and I would have that conversation with Bernard a quarter to six. Because my first hit was like 10 after 6. Right. And it would always be the same thing. Hey, Burn, how's Imus this morning? Well, how do you think he is, Sid? Right. <laughs> he's miserable. He's in a horrible mood. And one day he was like, he's not bad. I go, this is the first time you've ever said that. And when I got on the air, he was so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> well, once Bernie did tell me that Imus is really in lousy when he says, go on offense. And, so, yeah. so I was supposed to be on, let's say, 740. And they put me on at seven forty-two. I went into a two-minute tirade. You can't keep me waiting for two minutes. Who do you think you are? Oh, that's I'm smart. Yes, yeah, so the, the whole. You know, oh, like, <laughs> that's smart. Did he get all freaked out? Yeah. Then he said, "Oh, well, well, he said, actually, he was on defense for a second. So yeah. I feel I won that one. Yeah. Well, I, it took me a long time <clears throat> to figure that out. But if you ever really wanted to uh, to to put the I man in his place, right. and you actually had the balls to do it. Then he completely changed. And I did that a bunch of times. I know you, you guys did too, Lou and Bernie. No, but it would work once in a while. I like Not to Peter King's uh, right. you know, level, but it would work. You have to you put him off balance. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the last time I actually got kicked out of the studio. It was about four months before his last <laughs> show ever. And I actually said the F word on the air. Lou, you were there. Uh, yeah, I and, probably was there, yeah. Yep, and <laughs> Imus was more concerned because I walked out. I left. And Imus was more concerned about getting me to come back on the show than he was that I just called him an effing a-hole. He didn't care. He's like, 
I'll get you back on the show. He'll get over it. He'll get over it. And 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 they got me, and I came back on the show. But uh, ordinarily, you know, he'll just keep beating you, beating you, yeah. beating you. But as John Castamatidis always says, how do you beat the bully? You punch a bully across the face. Right. Yeah. I'm again. I'm not trying to be macho. It was, it was you know, uh, Bernie. You gave me the tip because you figured I, you know, I just wouldn't be ready for an onslaught right at the start. But uh, no, he had. Uh, sometimes I must cross the line. Like I thought when he gave that speech at the. Uh, uh, president's dinner, whatever it was. The oh, press that club. was for Bill Clinton. Yeah, Bill, I mean, I had some, you know, Bill Clinton said his wife. Uh, to me, it goes a little too far. Humor is humor, but uh, there's a certain line you shouldn't cross, right. I don't think. So because of that speech where <clears throat> yeah. he really angered Bill and Hillary Clinton, yeah, he did, yeah. so then you were happy he died because of that, right? Because of the speech? <laughs> is that fair to say? I must die because yes, of that? because of that speech. Yes. I heard he died because you walked out of the studio. <laughs> can't believe he's actually gone, all kidding aside. We, uh, we're having a blast this morning, folks. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Already 80 minutes in the books. This show is flying by. We'll get to Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up next. And then a young budding superstar in the Republican community, Peter King's friend Anthony D'Esposito is going to stop by. Plus, Dove Hyken, maybe Joe Tacopina. We'll talk to Lydia Serrani, and we'll play Beat Sid. It's an action-packed hump day Wednesday on Bernie and Sid, my man Bernie McGurk. Some more Tears for Fears, your Wednesday morning in New York City. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, get ready for sports violence outside the stadiums to rise, perhaps to the level of European soccer crowds. Drunken, working-class fans are notorious in Great Britain and other countries for provoking brawls. Seething economic frustration and resentments drive the dangerous conduct which has been going on for years in Europe. Now, I remember being in a Glasgow, Scotland pub when a so-called bother boy snarled at me, demanding to know what football team I supported. Whatever one you like, mate, I replied. Judging from his scar-lined face, the guy was in the brawl business. Loser, no path upward. Last Sunday, fights broke out at the Eagles-Lions game, and this is just the beginning. Thugs know many American cities will not even prosecute assaults anymore. They also understand, the thugs do, that they are going nowhere unless they get educated and work hard to tickets millions of Americans are now refusing to punch. So, expect rising brutality during the football season this year and even at some fall baseball games. Our society is sinking quickly because restraints have been lifted by progressive forces. As the sergeant used to say on Hill Street Blues, be careful out there. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. We're seeing the same thing over again in the Senate. 
Yeah, I think we are, no question about it. And look, you know, you go back to the uh, Donald Trump race, Sean, and in Florida, by the way, they had him down a couple of points, and he won that race, as we know. Uh, every major state that they got involved in late, Trump and Biden, was much closer than the polls actually said they would be. So this has been going on for quite some time. You know that, Sean. This is nothing new. But I think now we're really starting to see how inaccurate these polls are. They've always, always given the edge to the Democrats. But right now they are way off. I mean way off. So if you're a Republican running and the poll says you're really trailing by a decent amount, that has to make you happy because odds are they've got it way wrong and you may even be winning let alone trailing by just a little bit. So these polls at this point, they are the least, they're like weathermen. They never get it right. Never. <laughs> Little Sid Rosenberg and Sean Spicer from Newsmax last night. Thanks again to Sean. I like Sean a lot. Promoted my new book, Citizens United. Had me on talking about these polls. And Peter, uh, the great Peter King. Oh, my God. I broke like 10 times already today. I apologize. I'm getting old. Don't make fun I apologize of again. I'm sitting across from you. I, I know. But they don't smell at least. But you know what? You don't burp? Uh, you don't burp? How old are you? 75, 76? 78. You burp all the time. You fart when you walk. You don't even realize you're doing it. It happens to everybody. Admit it. You sure of that? I'm 100 percent sure. <laughs> you, you think everybody's like you? Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> These are polls. It seems now uh, more than ever. They've always leaned Democrat. We know that, Peter. But it seems now more than ever they're really inaccurate. And uh, all these battleground states: Wisconsin, right. Pennsylvania, Florida. They uh they have been um they've been wrong more than they've been right. So that was a discussion Sean and I had yesterday going into the midterms. If you're trailing in some of these polls, the truth is you may not be trailing. Yeah, in fact, what the Democrats do and and, and the pollsters do rather, it, or maybe it's the same thing. They overestimate the uh, the turnout of Democrats. What they're saying, like for instance, in New York, uh, some of these polls say that uh, you try to project how many Democrats are going to come out, how many Republicans. They're projecting only 23% of the voters being Republican. It'll be over 30% will be registered Republicans. So when they do the poll, it comes out. You know, I mean, they had Zeldin losing in the suburbs. It's crazy. But here's the, da- the danger. The damage that does is that people who are going to contribute are going to hold off the money. If they see Lee Zeldin's losing by 16 points and they have to do business in New York State, they're not going to contribute to Lee Zeldin. So that's why it's really part of an overall effort, I think, to keep down the Republican vote. Also, on election morning, if some guy is tired, why should he get up and vote for a guy who's right. going to lose anyway? killed anyway. Yeah, so that's why it's important. These polls are coming like, like the uh, Trafalgar poll, John McLaughlin, who was my pollster, he's President Trump's pollster. He's, his polls have been accurate, not because he's Republican. I remember in 2016 when nobody thought uh, – Trump is going to win. The week before the election, John was telling me where he was in Pennsylvania, where he was in Wisconsin, and how he, he really thought that Trump had at least a 50-50 chance of winning wow. when everybody else said he had none. And John, and these were in private conversations. He wasn't just you know, talking publicly. you know. So, But these, poll, these polls can hurt you. Uh, like, for instance, in uh, 2020, I think the last poll in Wisconsin had Trump losing by eight, eight points. Lost had, by one, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, and right. Ohio, they had him losing by two, and he ended up winning by eight. So, I mean, no, they – and also you have the fact that, in, especially today, people – often people are afraid to say they're going to vote Republican. So they don't either that or they don't cooperate with the polls. Right. You know, I was at this um, club again yesterday, the Metropolitan Republican Club, and some guys stood up. You mentioned uh, Zeldin and the money. 
And he said, you know, said he goes, your boss, John Katsimatidis, he's worth a lot of money. I said, okay, I don't count John's money. He's a dear friend of mine. He employs me. He pays me very nicely. I love John and Marco. I don't count his money. Well, but, you know, he's in a position where he can write a check for Lee Zeldin tomorrow because right now Kathy Hochul has a lot more money than Lee Zeldin. So I asked the guy, I said, well, are you under the impression that if you've got a lot more money, you're pretty much guaranteed to win? And the guy was like, well, yeah. So it would be really nice if John wrote a nice check to uh, Lee Zeldin. I said, first of all, don't spend John's money, okay, please. John uh, gives money to Republicans. He gives money to Democrats. He's very generous, very generous. But uh, to that guy's point, being that Zeldin is being outspent so much by Kathy Hochul, how does that diminish his chances of getting a win, or, or does it? Well, Lee factored that in at the beginning. No, listen, Lee is behind in certain aspects. First of all, there's more readers to Democrats. Secondly, Kathy Hochul, even under any count, is going to have five to ten times more money than Lee. Lee has planned that. So I think he can still win. In fact, I'm confident he's going to win. Again, I was with him last night at a meeting. He has this whole battle plan laid out. And you're figuring that she's been the incumbent. Lee has had to spend all his money in the primary. He had no money at all. And in the Trafalgar poll, he's losing by four. Another poll, poll, he's losing by six. And there's another rule in politics. If you're the incumbent and you're under 50, uh, she's winning 48, 44, 49, 43. The rule is if you're if everybody knows who you are and you don't have 50%, you're not going to get 50% on election day. Right. That's a danger sign right yeah. there. Like we, right. Had a, we had a candidate in uh, Nassau County, very capable guy, qualified guy. This is about 30 years ago. But I mean, he was, he was uh, winning 48, 48, 40. The last poll we took the week before election. He ended up losing 52-48. Wow. Because he had been an incumbent, and those uh, people who said they weren't sure, that meant they weren't going to vote for him. All right, there you have it, folks. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Again, coming up next, Anthony D'Esposito makes his debut on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show. You're going to like this guy. Dove Hiking coming up at 840. Maybe Joe Tacopina, Lydia Serrani, Beach Sid, all that good stuff right here. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Okay, this is former Congressman Pete King. I'm here co-hosting with uh, Sid Rosenberg, filling in for the great Bernie McGurk. And it's really my privilege this morning to introduce a, bring on to the show a good friend of mine, uh, Anthony D'Esposito, is a councilman in the town of Hempstead. He's a retired NYPD uh, detective. He had over 800 arrests. He's a fire chief in his hometown of Island Park. He's running for United States Congress in the 4th Congressional District. And basically what is the south shore of Nassau County from uh, Seaford to Valley Stream is a great guy. He's running. I'm proud to support him and endorse him. And he's on here this morning. And not only did he make 800 arrests, but he's willing to take on Sid Rosenberg this morning. Yeah, that's bigger. (laughs) Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Sid. Congressman, thank you. You got it, pal. Uh, Peter mentioned that you've made 800 arrests. Uh, You're a great cop. 
And you know, there, there's where the, um, you know, the, the rub is with Eric Adams. Eric Adams, the mayor of this city, was a cop for like 20-something years. I think he made seven arrests, seven compared to your 800. And he's not really, not really, at least in his heart, out there for the men and women in blue like we would like him to be. Seems with you, Anthony, that's not going to be an issue. When it comes to being pro-police, you will be at the very front of the line, yes? Absolutely. And, and we, you know, I have to say with people that had careers like Eric Adams, uh, they weren't really cops. They were employed by the New York City Police Department. Wow, it's a tough way to put it. I wow. Tell you. wow. And wow. you've been there. Wow. I like that. That's very good. Okay, Anthony. by the way, Anthony, you've already won Shed Rosenberg to yeah, your side now. <laughs> you, can, you can hang up the phone and go home. You got him. That was great, and it's true. Uh, what else, uh, when you go about uh, your race coming up, Anthony? I mean, everybody is pretty much uh, running on the same thing, at least on our side, right? Crime taxes, inflation, the border, all these issues that are both local and national. That's basically what your platform is, too, yes? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think this is one of the uh, unique times in our, in our nation's history and our state's history that a lot of the issues are actually, uh, people say, oh, state issues are different from national issues, but they're not because of the, you know, the failure of, of Joe Biden and his administration. We see increased crime. Because of the failures of uh, of Nancy of uh, Nancy Pelosi and and the leadership or lack of leadership uh, in Congress, you know our borders are wide open. I, I visited the border in Southern Texas a couple weeks ago, and uh, I would have to say that everything that we watch on TV or read in the newspaper, whether you watch CNN or you watch Fox News, uh, it's amplified tenfold. The the disaster that's gone on there uh, is just it, it's a travesty, and the people that live in Southern Texas. Uh, their their communities are being destroyed by it. Their industry is being destroyed, and you know now every state in the in the union has become a a border state. Uh, and you know it, during my tenure in the, on the town board, I've uh, made sure that we provided Narcan resources for opioid overdoses in the town of Hempstead. And you know obviously with the open borders, we've seen an increase in in deadly fentanyl coming over, killing uh, killing children, killing grandchildren. Uh, the crime here in New York and and what's been done. Uh, with cashless bail is it, it, it's just ridiculous, and the fact that we have had people on Long Island, and we saw it last year when Annie Donnelly won as district attorney. I mean, she won against a sitting state senator with over three million dollars in the bank, uh, and he was beat by fifty thousand votes because the people of Nassau County are sick and tired of having the people of New York City dictate their lives. And Anthony, that state senator, uh, he overlapped your uh, councilmanic district. And uh, I mean, you saw firsthand how devastating uh, the vote against him was. Also, you're well known in your councilmanic district, but obviously the congressional district goes far beyond that and it includes places like Seaford once or Belmore at the other end of town. I was with you on Saturday when Melissa, who works for me, she and, she and her husband, who, by the way, that poor guy is suffering from kidney stones, and she makes him set up a block party for you. She was a hero. I, I just want to put the record straight. When you showed up, you thought she was the big hero. She was bringing you around. Her husband had the kidney stones. He was dying all week, and he did all the work. But in any event, when we were going up and down— It taste better. <laughs> Go, you know, you know, going up and down the block, and you were meeting these people who had not seen you before, but yet they're incredibly friendly, incredibly receptive, and I, I didn't see one negative voice there. You were able to connect with them, and again, you know, describe what it was like. You're meeting people that you had not met before, and uh, you know the way they responded. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think it, it comes down to what we've seen, at least in Nassau County and, and on Long Island, is that people are fed up with everything that's going on. And it's no longer the issues that we're dealing with are no longer Republican issues or Democrat issues. They're American issues. And the people of Nassau County, the people on Long Island 
have had enough of it. And, and they, what they want, they're not looking for, they don't even care that the letter at the end of your name, what they're looking for is someone with common sense, because that's what seems to be lacking both in Albany and in DC. So I'm hoping, you know, with, with my experience and, and they always say, you know, you, you need people that are battlefield ready. And I think people like Allison Esposito, like myself, who have, have walked the streets, who have worn the uniform, we are battlefield ready. And, and it's nice to go into communities that I, I, I don't know, uh, that I haven't been to regularly and have those open arms welcoming me because it's, it's a good feeling. And it's nice to know that, uh, you know, everything that, that you've worked for in Congress and, and everything that, uh, you know, Sid talks about every day, it's actually resonating and people are fed up. And, and like you mentioned earlier in the show with, with polling, I mean, they are planning, you know, this, this very uh, high turnout from Dems, which I just don't see happening. No, and uh, not only did Ann Donnelly win, but uh, she actually drove Todd Kaminsky into retirement, which was really, really great. And uh, our friend Bruce Blakeman won. Laura Kern's a good friend of both of ours. But yeah. uh, the Republicans did very, very well a couple of years ago in your county, Anthony. You would think that would continue uh, right now based upon what we've seen again just a couple of years ago. So the wins for Donnelly and Blakeman two years ago, I think you'd agree that bodes well for you even now. Yeah, I definitely think. I think in 2021, we had a great a great year. Annie Donnelly, Bruce Blakeman, you know, Chairman Cairo put together a team and a ticket uh, that was phenomenal. I was I was lucky to, to win with almost 70 percent of the vote in my councilmanic district. And, I, you know, in April, we had a special election for uh, an assembly seat, and it was a seat that was uh, predominantly Democrat. We won. Republicans won with 65 percent of the vote. And I think what's important and what is a good indicator for November is that over 30 percent of the Democrats that voted in that election voted Republican and over 60 percent of the independents who voted voted Republican. So if that's not an indicator that people are sick and tired of partisan politics and they're looking for common sense, I'm not really sure what is. So I think November is going to bring more of that. I think we're going to see great numbers in Nassau County. Uh, I'm you know, we'll work 24 seven from today until uh, the night the polls close uh, to make sure that we deliver a victory. And, and not only for me, but I think that uh, my hard work and, and the, the relationships that I have with law enforcement and, you know, I'm a former chief of the fire department in Island Park and the, the volunteer fire service in Long Island is, is huge. Um, and I, I appreciate and I'm so thankful for so much of their support. But I think if, if we continue to work hard and deliver the message that we need to, it's also going to bring Lee Zeldin and Allison Esposito across <clears throat> the finish line for a big victory. Anthony, you know, the reality is, even though you're in Nassau County, your district is right up to the city line. How concerned are people in Nassau County and certainly in the west end of the town of Hempstead about crime coming across the border? They are. You know, it's something that we deal with every day. And and we've we've had this conversation that, uh, you know, the calls from from lunatics like AOC who who for somehow, you know, when you when you when you come to Washington, which I'm, I'm actually here today. But you, you come across, uh, you come to Washington, and people think that, you know, New York is foregone because of, of loud voices like AOC uh, calling for defunding the police. Uh, we need people in, in government to actually provide more resources to the, to the police department so that our villages and Nassau County, I mean, Commissioner Ryder does a great job in Nassau County holding that line between the city and, and Nassau County. But we need to make sure that we provide every resource possible, training, anything that they need to, so we can continue that. And secondly, we need to, you know, we need to change uh, leadership in Albany so that we can uh, get rid of this cashless bail and get our city and our state and our country back on track. By the way, how when, good when the, when the yeah. inmates are running the asylum, we yeah. have a serious problem. How good is uh, Jordan's Lobster House right by uh, Island Park by your house? I love that uh, place. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, a great, it's a great spot. Wait a minute. 
And Jews aren't supposed to be eating lobster. What are you doing, Sid? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a very good Jew. I, I eat all that shellfish. I go to uh, Jordan's all the time. Steve's a good buddy of mine. I love that place. In fact, when Tony Sirico died right. from uh, The Sopranos, great, uh, guy. great guy, Mike Sullivan, his buddy, and I went out for dinner to, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, say goodbye to Tony. He was already gone. And uh, Mike and his wife, Donna, and me and Danielle went to Jordan's. That's where we had our honorary memorial dinner for Tony Strico. I actually saw a great tweet yesterday, uh, Peter and uh, Anthony, from Lorraine Bracco. And it was a picture of Queen Elizabeth and Tony Sirico <laughs> sitting together and smiling. And she said, if this is heaven, I can't wait to go. <laughs> Isn't that great? Tony Sirico and Queen Elizabeth. Hey, for folks who want to get involved and help you out, Anthony, in, in your campaign, you sound great, by the way. Really, really good. How do they do that? Uh, listen, you can visit my website at uh, .com. Uh, You know, Look at me on any of the social media accounts, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, obviously, these races are, uh, are, are an uphill battle with all the, the money coming from Washington, especially to the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi trying to hold on to this seat. Uh, it's been in Democratic hands for 25 years. Uh, but I have no doubt with the help of, of everyone listening, with the help of the supporters, and with, with the help of Nassau County, both Democrats and Republicans, uh, we are going to deliver a big victory. We'll be able to flip this seat, flip the House, and most importantly, uh, send Nancy Pelosi into retirement like we did Todd Kaminsky. Nancy, we're going to have to run up. But one quick question before you go. You were a street cop. You were on the street. You made the arrest. You worked in the tough neighborhoods. What is the morale of cops today? If you were to go back into the city as a cop today, how would you feel going out in the street if you were to start wrestling with some guy who was resisting arrest? Listen, it, it's a scary. I, I spent my whole career in Brownsville, Brooklyn, in, in the 7-3 precinct, retired from the 7-3 detective squad. Uh, and, and guys are scared. You know, they don't, they don't want to go out there. And, and listen, guys take the oath. Guys and girls take the oath. Um, men and women take that oath to, to protect and serve. And they want to go out there and do the job that they have to do. But when you have, uh, you know, elected officials who at every turn are just looking, uh, you know, they don't want to uh, indict uh, criminals, but they're definitely looking to indict cops. Uh, it, it's a scary situation, and, and putting your hands on people to effect an arrest. Uh, you know, I, I always say the people who criticize uh, law enforcement and how arrests are affected, 99% uh, of them have never wrestled uh, a gun out of someone's hands in, right. in the middle of a street fighting for their life. Idiotic. Uh, so, you know, it, it's yep. very and – and the same thing goes for, the, for those people, Janaris, Kaminsky, and, and the rest of them who passed this cashless bail – uh, you know, they, they put the pen to the paper to reform our justice system, but never once did they ask law enforcement who are actually out there ripping the guns and, and taking criminals off the street what they thought. All right. Anthony D'Esposito, that was a great appearance. Thank you so much. Continued success. We'll talk many more times before November. And uh, keep it going, buddy. Great job. Thank you so much. Right. See you soon, Anthony. Love, love to Bernie, and uh, I'll see you at Jordan's. Thank you, Congressman. All right, Anthony. Thank you. You know, during that conversation, ironically, I got a text from Lee Zeldin. You brought up Lee Zeldin yep. to Anthony. I swear to God, as soon as you brought up Lee Zeldin's name, I got a text. He's got a new ad out. He wants to talk about that. So now Lee Zeldin will join me and you coming up at 8.05. Let so. me just say, I mentioned before about your friend Melissa. She does security for me. I love Melissa. Uh, well, let me tell you the full story on her. She yeah. wants to be the big political big shot. She goes, we're going to have this block party. Invite Anthony. And she's... She did none of the work. Her husband who had kidney stones did all the work. <laughs> yeah. She's walking around like a movie star yeah. with Anthony. And the husband's in pain, you know. I can he, see that. He, he was in the hospital yesterday again and all that. Oh, my God. And, and she's coming up here. She's going to want to show off to you. But let me tell you, she's a prima donna. Her husband, Lance, her husband, Lance, did all the guy. Listen, if you had kidney stones, would you be setting up a block party and letting your wife get all the credit? 
Well, I don't know. Danielle, uh, yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. Well, Anthony, I thought, was terrific. Anthony yeah. Esposito is a great candidate. He's going to be a great member of Congress. And I could just see you know, the expression on your face was the same as I saw in Belmore last week as people were talking to him. Yeah, no, he seems like a very, very cool guy. So we will uh, talk to Lee Zeldin coming up at 8.05. We'll talk to Dove Hyken coming up at 8.40. And now my phone rings again. And this is Dr. Mark Siegel. And he wants to come on. You see this, Pete? You see what happens on an average day? All these people actually want to come on to the show. I don't even call them anymore. No, it's I'm, I'm the Magnus. Oh, all, that's Peter. It, that's, that's what it is. He's right. <laughs> Pete King. So maybe we'll do Maybe we'll do all of them. Lee Zeldin, Dove Hyken, Dr. Mark Siegel, Lydia Serrani. We'll play Beat Sid. Peter King is here. Everybody wants to have him on the phone. Who's I the get bouncer? it. Who's the bouncer for this uh, club? Yeah, I know. Really, stop right? everybody I know. What a, uh, what sorry, a, you, but not you. What a cool club. <laughs> all right. We'll take a, a short break. More of Sid Rosenberg and Peter King on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show. And as I've said a million times, everywhere I speak, which is often lately, say a prayer for our good friend Bernard McGurk, who we love and miss desperately. Peter King and Sid Rosenberg coming right back on this Wednesday morning with some more Rolling Stones. Sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Lee Zeldin, the Republican nominee for governor. And on the day our Capitol was attacked, a day that led to the deaths of five brave police officers, Zeldin still voted to overturn the election. But that's not all. Zeldin celebrated Roe v. Wade being struck down and has supported abortion bans so cruel toward women they include no exceptions for rape, incest, or the life of the mother because Lee Zeldin is extreme and dangerous. Lou, you're brilliant. Lee Zeldin is extreme and dangerous. This is Billy Joel. I go to extremes. By the way, Lee Zeldin is like the least dangerous and extreme person I know. He's a nice Jewish kid from Shirley, Long Island. There's nothing extreme or dangerous about Lee Zeldin. But that, of course, uh, doesn't stop that lying, thieving, corrupt douchebag Kathy Hochul from saying these things in her TV ad. And uh, with all that said, here he is. Yeah, you know, Peter, that's a odd way to introduce a guy. <laughs> yeah. The gubernatorial <laughs> candidate for governor and a dear, dear friend of mine and Peter King, the esteemed Lee Zeldin. Lee, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you. Uh, you too, Lee. So I played this uh, this Kathy Hochul ad, which I saw during the Giant game, actually, on Sunday. And uh, she goes on and on about how you celebrated the Roe versus Wade decision, which you didn't do. And then she's talking about January 6th, and she talks about how you were celebrating after five cops died on January 6th. I'll ask you this, Lee Zeldin. How many cops actually died on January 6th? Well, zero. Right. But that's not gonna that's not gonna stop her. And she it's because she doesn't want to talk about crime. She doesn't want to talk about New Yorkers hitting their breaking point and fleeing the state. So she wants to talk about anything other than the issues that are actually top of mind for New Yorkers. 
But how did you just go out there and lie like that? Talks about five cops getting killed on January 6th, how you celebrated Roe versus Wade. I mean, why can't you just go out there, put out a TV ad, which you've done now, by the way, too, and talk about your differences without lying, not once, but twice? I think it's very telling. I mean, here I am running against her, and because I am challenging her, her attitude is that I am no longer a New Yorker, she says, that I have to get on a bus and leave the state and head to Florida. She hasn't yet accepted any debates. I, mean, I, I accepted the first couple debates that had come in. I've challenged her to at least five. The absentee ballots start going out in nine days. People are going to start voting. We're supposed to debate before that happens. And if you ask New Yorkers, what are the issues most important to you? It's about their breaking point in the state and, and the reason why they feel like they need to head out. It's because they feel like their wallet and their safety are being under, uh, are under attack in particular. And Kathy Hochul feels very vulnerable. You know, what's, as far as a danger, me being a danger to Kathy Hochul, I'm a danger to her political career. I'm a danger to yeah. her lust for power and control. She, she views us, all of us, you know, all of your listeners, everyone who's out there who's getting ready to vote to fire Kathy Hochul, she wants us on a bus, all of us, on a bus and heading out of the state because we are a danger to her selfish pursuit of power. Hey, hey Lee, this is Pete. First of all, you were great the other night at that event in uh, Nassau County. But the point you made the other night I think is really significant. It's really bears repeating is that Kathy Ogle can do all this. She can say whatever she wants because the media is never, ever going to criticize her. I, I don't think I've seen in Newsday one word critical of Kathy Hochul. I mean, she can say whatever she wants, and the media gives her a free ride. So that's an extra obstacle that you are going to overcome when you win. But it, people should know that makes it tough. You get the phony polling, and you have the, a biased media. Yeah, you, you'll, have, you'll have certain polls that will come out just to try to make it seem like it, you know we can't win. Uh, they will play games with just how many Republicans they'll include in the, the sample. They're over, they'll oversample votes out of an area where maybe Hochul's doing better. They're, they're playing games. And as far as the media goes, I mean, some of the media has been outstanding. I mean, go, to, go tune into Bernie and Sid in the morning. All right. Uh, you can go open up the New York Post. Well, well at least Bernie. Uh, Sid, 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 is a, <laughs> Sid is a mixed blessing, you know. If somebody buys him a meal, he's going to go over to Kathy Hochul. If she buys him a dinner somewhere, you, know, you may lose his support, Lee. Uh, Pete's not wrong. I, I've been warned. <laughs> I've been warned. You know, but I'll tell you, you know, Pete, you mentioned Newsday. I mean, right now, she, they have not said anything negative about her during this entire campaign. To your point, there's no coverage on the fact that Hochul's dodging debates. They should be holding her to account. There's no coverage of her How about the uh, giving, COVID an over 600, giving an over $600 million contract, no big contract, to, uh, for these COVID tests to a family, a company, that donated $300,000 to her, and they paid twice the price. Where's the story? Can you imagine the wall-to-wall coverage in Newsday if the shoe was on the other foot? I was the governor. She was running against me. I, as a Republican, did this. We just a couple mornings ago stood on the steps of City Hall, and we had a bunch of Democrats uh, who were endorsing us, current elected officials, former Democratic elected officials, uh, Democrat community leaders, if this was Florida and I was Charlie Crist running against Ron DeSantis and I stood on the steps 
of the state capitol in Florida announcing a whole bunch of Republicans endorsing me, current elected officials, former elected officials, Republican leaders in Florida. Not only would that be the biggest story all across every media outlet in Florida, that would be the number one national story. But because I'm a Republican running against a Democrat governor, I mean, there there were media cameras that were there at the press conference waiting for the next press conference, and they wouldn't even turn the cameras on. They wouldn't even put them on the stand to cover what was happening. They were just waiting for the next press conference. It was a blackout. Interesting. And uh, by the way, it seems to be the case when it comes to uh, debating, Lee, that uh, all Democrats do this. Because right now in Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz is having the same issues with John Fetterman. He's trying to get those debates in before the mail-in ballots, way before the election. He can't get it done either. So it seems like a uh, kind of uh, moto, uh, MO, if you will, for Democrats to stay away from debating Republicans because they know at the end of the day that they will lose on all the issues. Yeah, I'd be happy to debate Kathy Hochul today, tomorrow, and the next day. Let's let's do it. There's 11 media markets in this state. I'll do it all across. What, you know, let's tune into you know, Bernie and Sid tomorrow morning, and and the two of us will be on air. Let's do it live I'd on TV to. tonight yeah. on on broadcast in New York City. I, I'm up for debating. Who do you feel safer with as governor? Who who will make you feel safer in your streets and in your subway, in your home, and your residence? Let's talk about it. I mean, I, I believe that voters should know before the election where we stand on issues that are most important to them. I believe that we need to overhaul cashless bail. She says you have to elect her to find out what her position might be in January. I mean, I believe that we should stop congestion pricing. She supports it. Let's talk about it. I mean, they're, they're from one issue to the next, I believe we should fire Alvin Bragg. She thinks he just got there. We should cut him some slack. He's doing his job. Let's I, debate it. Lee, the issues you're talking about definitely appeal to Republicans. How how do you find them, uh, let's say, into non-Republican voters, like, for instance, in, uh, in the Hispanic community? Do you feel you're making inroads there? Because these issues should cut across party, party and ide- ideological lines. 100%. This is a moment like I've never uh, I've never seen – in all my time thinking about being involved with elections, races, politics, you could be in the reddest county in the state. You could be in the bluest county in the state. You could be talking to a Republican and Democrat independent. And all New Yorkers as New Yorkers at the top of the list are talking about how they feel less safe in the street. They want to support our men and women in law enforcement. They want to repeal cashless bail. They're concerned about attacks on our corrections officers right now because of the implementation of the HALT Act. They want district attorneys doing their job. I mean, we just launched our new TV ad. Uh, It's going up statewide today, and it's focused on crime and and the need for us to be able to have people in government who aren't going to be out there fighting for the criminals in power, but fighting for law-abiding New Yorkers and fighting for law enforcement. And by the way, anybody who wants to get involved in the campaign, ZeldenForNewYork.com is the website. We're on social media. We need everyone involved. We need people to sign up to be poll watchers on Election Day. We need people out there knocking on doors and, 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 also, and making calls. We need people to get involved in these congressional races, these state Senate races, these state Assembly races. You all see the uh, Trafalgar poll 
that had come out about uh, a week and a half ago that said that uh, it was a four-point race between Kathy Hochul and I. Well, that same poll said that Michael Henry, who's running for attorney general against Tish James, yep. that he was up by a point and a half. Wow. I mean, we have an opportunity here with the statewide slate, with these candidates for down-ballot races. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity where we can restore balance to the state, that we can save this state, but we need everybody engaged. We have less than eight weeks to go. I do well like Michael Henry, by the way. You know, uh, one of the races that scared me, though, Lee, and I wonder if it scared you, was the Pat Ryan race in upstate New York. He beat Mark Molinaro, and really all he talked about was abortion and gun laws. That's it. No crime, no safety, and he beat the Republican on abortion on gun laws. And there's lots of Democrats in this state that for some reason are really focused on those two issues. That, uh, that race make you nervous? Well, two things. I mean, first off, as it relates to abortion here in New York State, they already codified far more than Roe a few years ago. So when we all woke up the day after the Dobbs decision, the law in New York was exactly the same. There was no comma changed. There was no wording changed. The law in New York was exactly the same as it was the day before Dobbs. As far as what happened in New York 19, the, the way the media was talking about this race, you would think it was a Republican district that went Democrat. Right. This was a Democrat district where in November of 2020, the Democrat won by 11 and a half points. In August of 2022, there was a special election that you just referenced. The Democrat won by two points. Ah. So, you know, the media covers it like this went red to blue, where actually the district shifted nine and a half points to the right. And to think that that's the best example Democrats have as to why they believe that there's no red wave. They're pointing to some district that went only nine and a half points to the right. I'm telling you, this is, this is a wave that is brewing. However, anybody who's out there, please, nobody should be jumping on a board to ride in a wave. What we need to do between now and the polls closing at nine o'clock on Tuesday, November 8th, is that all of us need to be working to create the wave. There's no celebrating. There's no riding anything in. We need to work hard. We need to talk about what we stand for and why we stand for, what our ideas are on how to make life in New York better. And uh, for anybody out there who might be taking anything at all for granted, whether you're a candidate, you work on a campaign, you support a campaign, we all are, I mean, truly, I believe that we're battling for the heart and soul of our country and, and our state. We can't afford to continue to have one-party Democrat rule. It's, it has our country going in the wrong direction. It has our state going in the wrong direction. And we have a great opportunity less than eight weeks away. Beyond that, how are you doing in New York City? So here's the thing. With New York City, uh, we have to get at least 29% of the vote. We can't win this race if we get less than 29% of the vote in New York City. If we get more than 35% of the vote in New York City, we can't lose the race. So we really need to keep we'll keep working really hard in the city, and we have been working hard in the city. And we're, it's about the more conservative areas and getting everyone out to vote in Staten Island and Brighton Beach and Bay Ridge and Middle Village and elsewhere. We need all of those communities to get out. We're speaking of Middle Village, didn't Councilman Holden – uh, who uh, represents that area in the New York City Council, a Democrat, come out for you? Yes, he did. A- absolutely. So yesterday yep. morning, uh, two two mornings ago, uh, Councilman Bob Holden was one of the Democratic councilmen who were out there at the steps of City Hall endorsing our campaign. The New York Post did a good job covering it. 
There were some other media outlets that covered it. Most didn't, um, but kudos to Councilman Holden. And he, he was citing crime. He, he wants to be able to partner to, so that he can protect the safety of his constituents. And we have, we have you know, the Jewish community under attack. And he, over the course of the last few years, actually, the hundreds of anti-Semitic uh, hate in- incidents that have been recorded – there's only been one person who has served one day in prison. That's according to Americans Against Anti-Semitism, Assemblyman Dov Hyken, uh, his, his group. The Asian-American community is under attack. There are people who are being targeted with raw, violent hate. Yep. The Hispanic community upset about Jose Alba. You know, Jose Alba comes here from the Dominican Republic, lives a law-abiding, hardworking life. He goes through everything that he went through, Alvin Bragg railroading after the guy gets stabbed, thrown into Rikers with an open stab, boom, slapped with a murder charge. Bragg wants hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of bail. The person who stabbed him gets charged with nothing. When Jose Alba got out of Rikers, he decided that he would feel safer if he moved back to the Dominican Republic. And he hasn't lived there in a really long time. We've reached the point where people who came to America, who came to New York, who came to New York City with an American dream that was their New York dream, that was their New York City dream, are now seeing their dreams expired because of one-party Democrat rule, pro-criminal policies, leaving people like Jose, like Jose Alba saying, you know what, I'd feel safer if I go back to the Dominican Republic. Right. Yeah, and it's not safe there. So we need Lee Zeldin to win in 2022 and hopefully the return of Donald Trump in 2024. As always, Lee, great job. Thank you for coming on. Keep uh, going at it. You're doing a terrific job. We love you. Talk again very, very soon. Thank you so much. Good job, Lee. Uh, thanks, guys. There he is, the great Lee Zeldin. Make sure you vote Lee Zeldin come November. He mentioned Dove Hikend. Dove will join me and Peter coming up at 840. Lydia Serrani is coming up next. Dr. Mark Siegel. Comes your way at 9.05 and beats Sid. Your chance at cash and prizes. Thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers coming up at 9.40. Lou Dobbs, Business Report, and more. Keep it right here. Bernie and Sid with Sid and Peter right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. Inflation's still running hot. Wall Street's biggest plunge in more than two years. Investors bracing for more severe rate hikes. Those stories next. Inflation's at its highest level in decades. Interest rates skyrocketing and a recession may be looming. And retirement accounts are especially vulnerable. As you consider steps to protect your future, call the precious metal dealers at American Hartford Gold. They're the highest rated firm in the field with an A-plus rating. They can show you their suggestions for protecting your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. All it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. And if you call 866-611-1277 right now, tell them Lou sent you, and they'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. So don't wait. Call 866-611-1277. That's 866-611-1277. 
1-800-821-1277. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Investors rattled after the worst day in the market in more than two years. Last month's inflation reading came in hotter than expected. That sparked a broad market sell-off that sent the Dow Jones Industrials tumbling more than 1,200 points. All three major indexes suffering the worst losses since June of 2020. Now less than a week away from the Fed's September meetings, investors are locked in on another 75 basis point rate hike. Federal Reserve leaders haven't been shy about their commitment to lowering record inflation that stands at 8.3% as of last month. Starbucks rolling out automated ordering to improve in-store efficiency. Starbucks is trying to reinvent itself based on customer habits and says it will be upgrading its coffee-making equipment as well. Honda releasing 10 all-electric motorcycles within the next three years, all part of Honda's plan to be carbon neutral by 2040. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Congressman King and Sid, what a treat together, right? It's a beauty and the beast. Oh, yeah. Oh, who's the beauty? I'm the beast. I, I, Peter King's the I beauty. I don't know. I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you guys. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> so, uh, Thank Mike you, Lydia. Your, your breath of fresh air. What I've, I've had to put up for the last two and a half hours. You don't know. <laughs> Goat yoga. I was just listening to that ad. Goat yoga. Yes, I actually like, did oh. that, and I did axe throwing, all that good stuff. It's fun. I wouldn't yeah. like goat yoga. I don't like animal. It's smelly creatures on me. But anyway, okay. Uh, I, I'm like a facial <laughs> yeah. or a massage kind of girl. Okay, you know, all right. Okay. Yeah. Well, or and I would love like a nice bedding <laughs> and pillow. Maybe we can use my pillow because uh, Mike Lindell he's going to need some money because for some attorneys because it looks like the FBI issued him a subpoena. They seized his phone, and it he he said initially this i think this has to do with january 6th and this and that because and and of course the fbi said no this has to do with some sort of colorado election security breach congressman king i don't even remember hearing about this story um so it has to do he he talked about it on his uh internet show and he said the agents presented him with the subpoena asked him for his phone and uh that's that's basically it they also told him to keep him quiet but he said it has to do with some sort of election scheme in Colorado. Congressman do you, or Sid, do you know about any of no, this? No, I, I just know they took his phone from him at Hardee's, which is one of my favorite restaurants in the uh, in the South. I love Hardee's. That's all I know. <laughs> well, take a li- take a listen to what Lindell said. Today, the FBI. Uh, you're going to hear this, and you're probably already hearing it in the news. The FBI came after me and took my phone. They surrounded me at a Hardee's. And uh, took my phone. I run all my business, everything with. Um, um, they could have just, what we've done is weaponize the FBI. Um, it's disgusting. I don't have a computer. Everything I do have that phone, everything was on there. And uh, um, and they told me not to tell anybody. Here's an order not to, don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't. <laughs> well, I am. So. So that would be one fries, uh, a hamburger, and uh, three pillows. Is that three pillows or four pillows? Drive please. Ten ninety five. Please come out to the front window. Thank you. Uh, you Are you please unlock your doors and come out with your phone, please? Now, welcome to Hardy's. Can we serve you, please? Hello. Hello. Oh God. 
Secret Sauce. No, you what, what we do have the FBI waiting for you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh boy! Now, what is this case uh, you're asking Peter I about? I don't. Color, I, don't know. I, I have not heard about this at all. And listen, to me, it's one thing if they want to talk about January 6th as far as violence. That's one thing. To be criminalizing the fact that you're contesting an election. I mean, Stacey Abrams is still contesting the Georgia election. You had Democrats saying for four years that uh, Donald Trump wasn't properly elected because of Russia. Should we lock up Comey and Brennan and everyone in the administration, all those senators who are questioning Donald Trump's uh, election in 2016? This is a dangerous path. Listen, I, I don't think you should contest the election, but if you do, that's your right in a democracy. And uh, I think it's very dangerous to weaponize and to criminalize uh, you know, the investigation of elections. It's, it's just wrong. But what kind of world are we living in where you just said, Congressman King, you're simply contesting an election, you're yeah. asking questions, you want an investigation done. But meanwhile, Hillary Clinton can erase tens of thousands of emails. Hunter Biden, my God, all the criminal activities he's done. He's been we know that he's been under investigation since what, 2019. And they have yet to raid either of them. And the list goes on and on when it comes to the other side of the aisle. So for for the FBI to say, listen, we're not being weaponized for people to say, oh, no, they're just going after the criminals. Well, it looks like the only criminals they're going after are people that are Republicans or anybody that supported Trump, for that matter. Oh, so, yeah, along those lines, is anyway, I mean, think how crazy this sounds, that Mike Lindell, the pillow man, is a criminal threat yeah. to the United States of America. Isn't that crazy? I mean, how far yeah. have we gone? I well, mean, bad. You can't even go to Hardy's and have a nice dinner? <laughs> he was, he, and he was, he was at the drive-thru. He right. was at the drive-thru right. in Minnesota. So that was beautiful, Lou. Oh, my God. Was that, that was Lou, right? That was Lou's, yes. He's yes. The best. He is oh great. Oh, my God. That was, that was hilarious. Yep. So, yeah, the, instead of, he got a, a, a side of subpoena there. Uh, I mean, this is kind of crazy. I, it's really scary. It's really scary. What what kind of government does this remind you of? I mean, Congressman King, you've been all over the world where you hear about the government going after people that supported the president's uh, political opponent. Yes, I don't want to over-dramatize this, but if we heard coming out of Russia that uh, Putin was investigating his opponents, people who questioned him suddenly start getting hit with subpoenas, that a guy who's selling pillows is considered some kind of an enemy to the state. We say this is a banana republic. We say it's a dictatorship. It's a dangerous, dangerous path to go down. And the irony is, you know, they accuse Donald Trump of trying to overuse his powers or to threaten people. Nothing has been done like the way it's been done under Biden. I mean, they are using the FBI. And listen, let me just say, 99% of FBI agents are great. George works here at the station. He was uh, the assistant yes. director here in New York. They're great people. But the top levels have really gone off, 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 off the edge. And I think Christopher Ray coming in was supposed to correct that. He's only made it worse. It's time for a total clean, cleaning of, uh, you know, clean the house totally at, at, at the top levels of the IRA, of the IRA, the, the FBI. The IRA, there the you FBI. go. That's where your heart really is. Well, the IRS, too. <laughs> well, our, our, he, his IRA is probably in the toilet, even though Biden did like a, what did he do? Like a, a celebration, like, hey, yeah, we're, no, no, we're he, the he, great, we're the economy he, of he, he is talking about the Irish Republican Army. <laughs> Sid and I were talking IRA. about this before. No, yes. as, as I far he was as talking about his IRA, no, 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 because no, of Biden's no. economic policies. No, no, but all, we were talking about that before, though. With the fact that he had this news conference, how he's bringing inflation down at a time when inflation is going sky high, right? And the Dow Jones yeah. is down twelve hundred points. And as right. you speak, he was going right. down lower every <laughs> yeah. second. Yeah, uh, rough timing there for Joe Biden. But uh, what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? 
he's a moron. I, yes. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. I just can't believe this is happening in our country. And again, the FBI is taking their orders from the Department of Justice at the end of the day. So even if the, F the FBI agents have to do what they're told, and Mike Lindell did say that the FBI agents were very professional. He said they were really nice guys and they simply were doing their job. But I just can't believe of all the things that are going on in the world, all the illegal activities that we just know about. This is what they're spending time on surrounding a guy at the Hardee's drive through in Minnesota, the MyPillow <laughs> guy, maybe because they're pissed off about because, you know, he sells slippers, too. He sells bed sheets and a bunch of stuff. And they give him a subpoena and take away his phone. And by the way, this is part of a larger net. They've issued subpoenas to about 30. I'm hearing some places 30 subpoenas and 40 subpoenas. So this is a huge thing. And how crazy is it that we're hearing about all the people that are getting the subpoenas are people that are Trump supporters? Of course. So yep. there you go. So I don't know. Maybe it is a banana republic. There, I'm going to say it. It sounds like a, it's a banana republic. That I'm going to say in the. It sounds to me like the Biden administration is trying to weaponize government agencies to go after people. We already know that the FDA was pressured by we don't know who to slow down the, uh, the Operation Warp Speed to have it come out because they didn't want Trump to look good. So, I mean, that that was in the New York Post just the other day, that it looks like they were ready to go, come out, hey, here's the vaccine, and instead the vaccine came out a week after the election. So the fact that you have the FDA bowing to political pressure, you've got the FBI bowing to political pressure, the DOJ, you name it, it goes all the way to the top. President Biden, I'm sorry, he's as crooked as they get. Well, talk, uh, running out of time, five o'clock. Cats at night, John Katzmatidis, you don't want to miss it, and I want to hear Lou's impression one more time. God, that was great. Lewis uh, from downtown. Get Louie. Give me the hearty stuff. That was a little idiot. Thank you very much. I should like say thank you right now. Would you like a happy deal with that right now, Hardys? <laughs> welcome to the Mike Lindell Memorial Memorial Fast Food Place. Thank you. Try to do that. It'll be 22. 50. All right, Lewis. Thank you for that. Uh, follow Lydia, by the way, on Twitter, at Lydia News, and on Instagram. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. get to Dove Hiking, it seems I've got a new driver. This is uh, great news. Peter, what do you got for me, pal? First of all, this isn't funny. I'm not kidding around about this. <laughs> I said this now. I just got a text from Melissa, yeah. who used to work for me up until a few minutes ago. Right. She says, it's all true. I am picking Sid up tomorrow at his home <laughs> at 4 a.m., and I will be up in a few minutes to see my new boss. Oh, that is great. Oh, so I, okay. I, see, I told you. I told you, you got to be careful. By the way, uh, Freddie means that Freddie's out of. Freddie can take you. Freddie's a great driver. He does like nine perkins sets. Sounds like three shots before. I but hope he's more loyal than uh, <laughs> Melissa is. He's, yeah. he's uh, more loyal and uh, drunk. <laughs> <laughs> 
Melissa may have you there, too. Oh, there you go. Uh, Dove Heikind has become, I believe, the biggest voice inside the Jewish community. He's a great American, great New Yorker, but really when it comes to these uh, anti-Semitic attacks and other stories in and around that specific community, nobody better than Dove. And the new story is, is that the city wants to start regulating yeshivas like they do public schools, and that is pissing off a lot of folks in the yeshiva school community. So with that said, here he is, our good friend Dove Heiken. Dove, good morning. How are you? Uh, good to be uh, with both of you, Sid, Peter. Uh, Thank you, Dove. You know, I, what can I tell you? Uh, one thing I want to point out to everyone, because uh, the article in the New York Times, if you read it, I mean, it was long, long, long. Uh, the one thing everyone should realize that in these Hasidic yeshivas, in the uh, Haredi schools, education is the most crucial, most important thing that goes on. I mean, I'm a product of that, uh, to be honest with you. Education from the earliest time in the morning to late in the evening, there's education going on. Now, the question is, you know, what kind of education? Is it enough of one or, or, or the other? But let's get this clear. These kids are studying. They're studying philosophy, Jewish philosophy. They're studying history, Jewish history. They're suffering, you know, studying law, Jewish law. They are involved literally throughout the day. I, look, I have six grandchildren. They go to a great school out here in Long Island. Uh, it is a top school. They learn uh, the religious subjects in the morning, and then they have the secular subjects later on. I think the bottom line for me, having read the report, and, and just as a side thing, I have to say, uh, you know, the New York Times, which, you know, is a great newspaper. I mean, in terms of, uh, the, you know, the quality of the paper and the in-depth reporting. But, you know, I can't get out of my system, guys, that it is the New York Times that does more to undermine the well-being and security of the state of Israel than any other paper in the world. And something else, I can't get it out of my system that the New York Times, when Jews were being murdered at the rate of 15,000 a day every single day for years, murdered in concentration camps, uh, people like my grandmother, who uh, went to Auschwitz in 44 and was sent straight to the gas chambers, that the New right. York Times, the same newspaper, the newspaper of record, the newspaper respected, you know what they did with the stories of the Holocaust. I mean, books have been written. I've read them. I mean, the New York Times buried those yep. stories. They didn't want the public to know. So, you know, they didn't want to do the report about the Holocaust. And when it comes to Israel, Israel is always wrong. Israel is never right. Uh, I mean, the only don't, time don't, that don't, Israel gets any any uh, Rachmanis yep. in its editorial page is when Israelis get murdered in terrorists. Right. Then we get in terrorist attacks. Then we get a little sympathy from the New York Times. We're only a couple of years removed, you and I specifically, from being outside the New York Times building when they ran that cartoon of Bibi Netanyahu oh walking uh, Donald Trump like a dog. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I mean, Sid, this is the New York Times. They definitely have a problem with people who look like the people in Borough Park and, and, and Muncie and some of these other places. They, you know, they'll never admit it, but there's something about those Jews that make them feel very, very uncomfortable. So this you know, is there's so change. many amazing things going on in these communities, but the New York Times wasn't interested in any of it. Now, now, now that I've said that, uh, the, 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 the bottom line for me is, and you know, uh, you know, guys, 
you know, I try to be a straight shooter. I try to be as straightforward as I can. Do we need to do better in some of the yeshivas? Some of the yeshivas are amazing. But do we need to do better in some of these Hasidic yeshivas? Yes. But guess what, guys? Look what's going on in the public school system. Look at the amount of our tax dollars that go to so-called educate uh, a million students. And they are freaking failing. They're failing. You know, they're, they're not getting to first base. We send kids to college from our local public schools. Guess what? The first thing they do when they get to the university, this is pretty pathetic and pretty sick, they first take courses, remedial courses, in, in English, in math. So, you know, we're focusing on the yeshivas. Okay, but focus in your own backyard. You know the amount of money that we spend <clears throat> on public schools? We spend more money on each student in a public school than any other state in the United States. I mean, I don't know if it's $25,000 per year for each student, and they are failing. The scores this year in math and English have gone down. Those kids don't know how to read. And what goes on in the yeshivas, <clears throat> and again, you could always have a better situation. No question about it. And, and it should be done, and there should be improvements, and I think the yeshivas want to make the improvements, but they feel that this is, a, this is something beyond just the government wanting to make things better. This is a full frontal attack on religious Haredi Hasidic education. I've got to tell you, when I was the elected official in, all, in Borough Park, 36 years, I can't tell you. I got the pictures. I could show it to you. I could show you the videos. I can't tell you how many events I went to at the Hasidic yeshivas, at Bavav, and, and you name it, some of the biggest schools, science fairs, history fairs, uh, all kinds of secular events. So, you know, a lot of people in the community feel this is a personal attack from the New York Times, and people just don't trust the New York Times. By the way, I have... I used to get the New York Times delivered to my home for 25 years every day. I have not had a New York Times delivered to my house or purchased, purchased a New York Times for 18 years, guys. And I think it's a great newspaper. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing like the New York Times. But they are so slanted. They are such an enemy of the state of Israel and the security of Israel that I will not support the New York Times. That's how I feel about them. So imagine they spend more time on this report about the yeshivas than they spend on the freaking Holocaust during <laughs> yeah, a period true. of years where stories about a million Jews being buried, uh, being murdered, were at page 26, for God's sake. So uh, the whole issue of anti-Semitism, no denying. Uh, the whole issue of anti-Semitism, the Times and others are quick to point out any anti-Semitism from white nationalists. That's fine. That's, uh, that should be condemned. But to me, doesn't happen. the overriding anti-Semitism is in universities and among the elite, and that gets ignored. I mean, the way, uh, uh, you know, the anti-Israel sentiment and the actual out-and-out anti-Semitism, even some of the Ivy League schools and all that, is disgraceful, and it's never, ever mentioned in the mainstream media. Absolutely. Sid, let me recommend to the New York Times right now we did a report on Americans Against Anti-Semitism, a four-year period, the last four years, where attacks upon Jews, Jew hatred, at unprecedented levels, 
Who is attacking who? Who are the perpetrators? Simple thing. This is not Dove Hiking making it up. These are the facts. Who are the perpetrators? Where do they come from? What do they look like? Do you know the answer is? African-Americans, The attacks upon Jews come from minority groups. African-Americans. Wouldn't it be nice if the New York Times did a report in great detail outlining that and and ask the right questions and ask why this is happening? One other thing, when I read the New York Times story on Sunday, what I did was I took a look at the letters to the editor. As of Sunday, there were two and a half thousand people who responded. Guys, I, I got to tell you, Peter said, the vicious, malicious hate expressed in those letters to the editor tell the story. Aye. You know, people who had any bad feelings about Jews, this was their excuse to go after the Jewish people. Because to the anti-Semites, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if you're a chassid. It doesn't matter if you wear a yarmulke, don't wear a yarmulke. It doesn't matter if you're Sid Rosenberg or you're Dove Heikend or you're an atheist Jew. You are <clears throat> a Jew. And those letters to the editor, what they brought out is just like so freaking dangerous. And who are the number one victims of anti-Semitic attacks in New York at the present moment? Numbers that we've never seen in history. It is exactly these communities, Crown Heights, Williamsburg, Borough Park, Muncie, and so on. So what the New York Times did, you know, you, you want better education? I want, I want better education. I want all students to be more capable of being able to exist in our society. But to me, to a great extent, this was a hit piece. I agree with you, 100%. More about uh, the Jews than it is education. Dove Hiking does always excellent job. Thank you for hopping on this morning, and stay well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Peter. Good being with you, Sid. Thank all right, you. buddy. There he is, the great Dove Hiking, wrapping up hour number three on Bernie and Sid with Sid Rosenberg and Peter King. We'll start hour number four with the very esteemed Dr. Mark Siegel talking about these um, vaccinated veterans. We'll play some Beat Sid. It'll be Sid against Peter King coming up at 940. That'll be fun, Pete. And then um, I'll meet my new driver, Melissa Zim, sometime next hour. And uh, Peter gets Freddy. We made a trade this morning, like the Mets. Sid gets Melissa and a uh, draft pick in 2026. And um, Peter King gets Freddy. (laughs) Fourth and final hour, Bernie and Sid with Peter and Sid. Coming back at you. Sit in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I gotta tell you, I'm so sick and tired of that postpartum depression excuse. Remember that uh, mother in uh, South Carolina years and years ago, like drowned all five of her kids? That sick bitch. And then you get this uh, lady in Coney Island who just drowned three of her children. And I'm supposed to buy postpartum depression as a reason to kill all your kids. I mean, I, I get it. You get depressed. You get angry. Brooke Shields even said once, I want to throw my kid against the wall. But you didn't do it. These people kill three of their children, five of their children. I don't want to hear about postpartum. Give that lady the electric chair right now, today. Get, get rid of it today. Any thoughts, Peter? 
Yeah, I'm not me, opinionated about the whole thing, really. I don't really have much of an opinion, but no. To me, I, I don't see how <laughs> you know. I don't see how you can abuse kids. And again, I'm not trying to downplay you know mental illness, but uh, I, I agree. That case in South Carolina, that I still remember that. I, I forgot until you mentioned it. it came back uh, vividly. And again, what happened in Coney Island, we have to wait and see. But if if those facts are true. It's hard to have any sympathy for the mother of it all. No, I mean, that's please. just terrible. I thought of killing Horrible. kids. Killing little kids. Uh, also, Joe Biden taking the victory lap once again. Uh, you talk about timing. Life is all about timing. He's taking a victory lap as the Dow Jones is dropping 1,200 points. The worst day for the Dow in like three years. And Joe Biden is yelling and screaming how great things are with his stupid inflation reduction bill, which, of course, does anything but... Reduce inflation. So those are uh, two of the major stories today. But um, we've had a great show, me and Peter King. Great guest today, Dove Hyken, Lee Zeldin, Anthony D'Esposito. I really like Anthony D'Esposito, by the way. He's really, really good. He's top-notch. He's top he really He is, is top-notch. And then uh, I got a text earlier from Dr. Mark Siegel. I love Dr. Mark Siegel. And I was watching... Pete, out of the corner of my eye where the TVs are on, he was on Fox News this morning, and he was talking about how the Navy quietly lifted punishments for unvaccinated SEAL members, which I thought is actually uh, pretty cool. Uh, There's still a lot of city workers not working because they weren't vaccinated, a lot of firemen, a lot of cops, athletes like Djokovic can't come to town and play in the U.S. Open. But I guess uh, the SEALs, they did it right. Anyway, here he is, tremendous doctor, great on Fox News, and a dear friend, the very talented Dr. Mark Siegel. Mark, it's uh, Sid Rosenberg and Peter King. How are you, buddy? Great to be on with you guys, and I know Peter very well, by the way. I'm still trying to get him to get back into Congress. I mean, that's very important because they keep diluting the membership. It's getting a lower and lower uh, rate of uh, approval, and there's no no surprise with Peter King gone from there. So, Well, thank you, Mark, but I, I do have one grievance against you. I, I texted you a few months ago asking whether I should get the booster shot, and you said, well, if people are old and overweight, they should get the shot. Go get the shot. So I. Oh my uh, God! Yeah. So he's saying you're both old and overweight. Oh, both. You told me. Yeah. So anyway, I was no. No, listen. I found out today that there's a hundred year old doctor still practicing, and at 67 he got a legal degree. So I don't consider you old. I meant him. Okay. He okay. Should be getting right, the there shot. you go. Just overweight then. Just not old, but just overweight. So take it easy there. No, Mark Siegel is the best. Uh, you know what he is. You know, you saw Sid the other night at the ABC party. Talk about buff. Talk about in great shape and great form. Oh, I mean, his you. muscles are bulging out of his shirt. Thank Thank you. I okay, do. Wear, that's enough. I've listened to that all I, morning I, about how great. Well, you know what is? I I buy my clothing at uh, the Gap for kids. So I. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this: you got three Met fans on the phone right now. Yeah. Now, how about this, Doctor Mark Siegel? Later on tonight, I'm going to the Met game with Bill O'Reilly. O'Reilly invited me. We go. We go. We go every once in a while, and we're having dinner before the game with Steve Cohen in his suite at City Field. How about that, O'Reilly, Rosenberg, and Cohen? Uh, Mets and Cubs later on tonight. How cool is that? That is so cool. And, you know, Bill O'Reilly, totally different in person than, uh, than on the radio or on TV. I mean, he, meaning that he's so, such a gentle person and, and easy to talk to. Yes. I will say that he's a bit of a germaphobe. He's never going to shake your hand. He does the all the time. Thing, nope, nope. He does all the time. He does. Yes, wow. he does. Yes, he does. And, and he loves you. He loves, he loves me. you. Yes, he does. So they I have, have to it. tell you, speaking of the Mets, that I'm becoming a turncoat because I was very disappointed in Jacob DeGrom, who, as you know, I keep coming on the show and praising him. 
And and I'm thinking maybe with all my problems with the Mexican border and the leaky border, maybe I should at <laughs> least I should at least take a moment to give a nod to maybe the best pitcher in baseball this year, Julio Urias from the Dodgers. The Dodgers are unbelievable with the pitching, and I don't even mention it. I know. They've yeah, almost... Even in last night's game, though, I mean, DeGrom got a bad rap there. What, they got three bunts off him? and uh... Typical. Yeah, really was. And then Alonzo's well, home run him. They don't by an him. inch. Not, so, they can't hit behind the ground. He is, he is amazing to watch, though. He really is. And you know, when you watch him, he doesn't look he's that hard to hit. It seems, But I tell you, he makes batters look so bad. Wow. It's hey, by the, way, by the way, before we get off baseball, Sid, how fast do you think Nolan Ryan really threw? I mean, obviously the Grum's around 100 miles an hour. You know, they didn't have good radar guns. What do you think Ryan threw? 105, if I had to guess. What? Wow. Yeah. Still the worst trade in the history of the New York match. Nolan Ryan for Jim Fregosi from listen, the Yankees. Listen, Fregosi still make, you know, don't write him off. Well, still he, he was Fregosi. a nice guy. He's a good manager, I'll tell you that. Dodgers have won 98 games already this year. 98. But uh, Dr. Siegel, you talked this morning about the uh, Navy SEALs, unvaccinated but now catching a break. That's a, uh, a feel-good story. Well, they're finally catching a break, but the delay on this is what's so disturbing because that rule, Trident Order Number 12, was put in place in September of 2021 at a time when we already knew the variants were coming out. So, in other words, if you were going to argue, well, I don't want them on a submarine because they could spread this virus, well, the original idea that the vaccine prevented spread was already passe at the time the rule came in because the Delta variant spread even among people who had already been vaccinated. And that was the point I made. And the point that Brian Kilme made, which is equally excellent, is that, you know, there's nobody fitter than the Navy SEALs. So you can't you really use the severity argument because the vaccine is keeping people out of the hospital who are older, not as old as me and Peter King, but, you know, older. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and of course, we're in great shape. We're not buff like you. But the point is, so the argument on behalf of the vaccine is. I still would say take it, of course, but not mandated. And then the other point I made is why are we differentiating between religious exemptions and medical exemptions? Isn't this the United States? Doesn't don't we ha- don't we have First Amendment rights here? And and we've always honored religious exemptions. I, none of that made any sense. And so they're really slow. And then the point, you know, that that the seals attorney was making, and he, he was on with us, is even though they've repealed this, they're still enforcing it. It's still there's still still segregating out Navy SEALs who are trying to save our lives and our country if they don't take the vaccine. It's very, very, very out of date and disturbing. Like I, you know, I don't pretend to be a medical person. I can understand why in the beginning, uh, you know, uh, not uh, uh, being sure where to go, you can be overcautious and not cautious right. enough. But now we've learned a lot in the last two and a half years. Is, are the medical experts willing to acknowledge that changes have to be made, that what we thought was necessary a year ago is no longer necessary? And that we couldn't, we couldn't do then, we can do now. I mean, are, are, are they willing to make those adjustments? Most of them are, Peter, but the word mandate is a political word right now. It's not a medical word, and I just proved it. So I don't want to hear that word. Mandates are really only something that you would use in a really dire situation with a tool that was really extraordinary. And we don't have either. We're, we're getting to the point where we're living with this, and that's what the message should be, because we've already done so much damage to the mental health of our country and our children and to our economy. So we're living with this, and we have more tools, and the vaccine is one of the tools, and that's the way to message it, not to talk about mandate this, mandate that. There's still mask mandates in some places and among our kids at schools, and they don't really work.
Newark, New Jersey's got that. So uh, before we get back to COVID and monkeypox, you know that um, we deal with cancer every day in the show because of Bernard, who's still out now going on six weeks. And uh, we pray for Bernie every day. We hope he he, he gets better. Uh, Joe Biden actually came out yesterday, Dr. Mark Siegel. You can't make this up. Joe Biden came out yesterday and said, and I quote, he's going to find a cure for cancer. I'm you're not going to play this. Look, this is Joe Biden yesterday. He's going to fix everything. Play this. Cancer does not discriminate red and blue. It doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Beating cancer is something we can do together. Uh, where's the second cup where he says he's actually going to do it? Do you have that, Lou? We have to find that. Anyway, what, what, what is uh, Joe Biden talking about? Are we making strides? Is he close, his people, to finding a cure? What, what the hell was he talking about? First of all, let's at least say, you know, he lost his son, Bo, to brain cancer. And we have to understand that that makes him quite emotional. But I think the larger issue with him often is who's actually writing his stuff. Does he write it himself? It's on a (laughs) teleprompter. I mean, is it it a cognitive slip again? I mean, we're no, we're not. Actually, immunotherapy, we thought was going to be the holy grail. And it's actually an improvement, but it's not because because cancer mutates. So we're not at a point where we have that. Uh, game, w- that ultimate game changer that works for all cancers. We're getting closer. We're getting more involved with genetic uh, treatments. Every, you know, what's different about you versus me, precision medicine? We're moving forward with cancer, but no, we're not wow. on the verge of that. Not, not listen, anytime the, soon, in the right, next few months or anything. This quote I'm going to play for you right now, he makes it sound like he's fixing this. It's right around the corner. Play this, Joe Biden. I believe we can usher in the same unwillingness to postpone the same national purpose that will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills to end cancer as we know it and even cure cancers once and for all. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, if I could just say something as a politician who was in Congress for 28 years, I don't know of anyone who's against cancer research. Of all the things we fought over, that was a bipartisan issue. And somehow, of course. I, I remember back in 1972, Richard Nixon declared war on cancer. I mean, the fact is, every president, every administration has worked this way. And for him to try to take credit for it, act as if this was a democratic issue and somehow tying it into his inflation bill, to me, is really, really wrong. It really uh, you know, demeans the whole process. Peter King for Congress or Senate, actually. Maybe. <laughs> but, but, you know, but you know something, uh, to, and, and there's no increased funding right now. We actually need a lot more funding for these genetic right. treatments and therapies I'm talking about. And, then, and it's not like he's ponying up a lot of money to back that up. It's political rhetoric, as Peter just said. No, it really makes uh, makes no sense. So why have I not seen over the last couple of days, last couple of weeks, anything more about monkeypox or a new COVID variant? Are we over both of those things, Dr. Mark? Well, so first of all, uh, monkeypox has decreased, and it's mainly in the in the gay and bisexual population, and we have more control over it. Right. We're, we're getting real-time information. We, we still need more vaccines, but it's looking like a lot of it was media hype, but something that we needed to pay attention to. And as far as COVID, I think the untold story of COVID is that for a year now, we've been in the Omicron family, which means... That's good news. No one, the media never t- likes to tell good news, right? So the good, that means that we're all developing some immunity because 80% of the country has had some form or other of COVID. They've got natural immunity. If you add a vaccine to it, that, that's an immune protection that we're starting to see. That's the exit to the pandemic. Uh, so I think, I think in both 
cases, there's good news. By the way, I wanted to make a quick comment about your first point about the woman and the children. I couldn't agree more about that in, in the Coney Island murders of children. Yeah. Okay, she was evicted. Okay, she was evicted. Okay, she's suffering from economic losses. Okay, a lot of this has to do with the pandemic. But no matter what, your children have to be honored and cherished, period. Yeah, doctor, again, I'm, I'm certainly not into medicine or psychology, but to me, we use so much of this as excuse. You know, you're right. depressed, somebody yep. yelled at you in school, yep. you lost your job, so you can go out and kill people. It's really, to me, it's absolutely wrong. We have to start drawing much stricter lines. Completely agree with that, and that's why I don't like using that story as an example of, you know, pandemic depression or anything. I know, right. I'm, I'm sick of that uh, defense, the, uh, the insanity defense and all that stuff. Get rid of it. Hey, uh, listen, you were great again. You're always great. A treat to have you on with me and Peter this morning, Dr. Mark. Thank you so much. Well, you the I, best. i got to end by saying, Julio Urias, Urias, man, so glad you came here from Mexico, but I don't want those illegal immigrants coming here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Dr. Mark. Well done. 1-800-848-WABC. That's the number as always. 1-800-848-9222. We're going to play Beat Sid coming up at 940. And the pugilists, if you will, to quote Howard Cosell, the pugilists are going to be Peter King and Sid Rosenberg. Wow, here we go. Oh, we're going head to head. Now I, I took uh, Peter's driver, Melissa Jim. I was him, I should say. Now I'm going to beat him and beat Sid, too. What a morning for Peter King. More of uh, Peter and Sid right after this. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. No pills going to cure my ill. I got a bad case of loving you. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. My new driver, Melissa Zim, is so excited. The Ann Hathaway of uh, the police department. She's a great girl, by the way, a great girl. Great. This Saturday and Sunday, September 17 and 18, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks are recognizing their fans with Fan Appreciation Night prior to the Ferry Hawks game Saturday against uh, uh, the Pete's team there, the Long Island Ducks. Kids get to run the bases and following the game, stay for the big fireworks show. Then on Sunday, get team autographs and kids run the bases again following the game. Just check out the website to, uh, to win these tickets, wabcradio.com slash ferryhawks. And by the way, the tickets are free. But can I just say there's nothing like minor league baseball. That is so it is connected great. to the community. It's yeah. so... It's inexpensive, and you just feel like uh, like you're back in the 1940s, 50s. I agree with you. Yeah. It is great, yes. And uh, they do it well, Those uh, some of those teams. We do it great on Staten Island. Long Island does it well. Ducks, Frank Bolton's done a great job. Staten Island, they do it great. No, it's really great. Cyclones have done it good over yes, there. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Although I'm done at that ballpark now, that's it. If I go there, I feel like I'm cheating on, uh, on well, John. John. In fact, I can't wear my duck shirt. I feel yet. weird. <laughs> like, when you and I yeah. went to that event for the, um, what was it for, um... For the wall in July for right. the, oh, yeah, the, the, the 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was a great event. You were great that night. Was Melissa wonderful. was great. My son had a great time. We threw out the first pitch of the game. I felt like I was cheating on John. I felt bad afterwards. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But he was cool about it. He didn't care. But I still right. felt weird. Yeah, that w- it was interesting. I was so, uh, again, Cyclone Stadium, I loved it down there. And suddenly realized I'm, 
I'm there with the enemy. I mean, right. This is, this is, yeah, right. Yeah, this is the, uh, the competition to John. Yeah. It, it was weird, yes. Uh, so the Mets, of course, are the uh, the major league team for the uh, for the Cyclones. Mets and Cubs again tonight, game three of that set. I'll be there with Bill O'Reilly. In fact, uh, according to uh, Bill's uh, person, McEnroe, who's a lovely lady, uh, me, Bill, and Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, are going to meet before the game in Steve Cohen's suite for a quick little meal and to uh, kibitz. Me, Bill O'Reilly and Steve Cohen. As Bernie would say when he played the role of the Cardinal, which doesn't belong and why? <laughs> but I'm going to be there. I, I, these days, and I know some of these folks out there get so angry because you know, they don't like me. And they're like, how is Sid hobnobbing with all these huge people? And I say, let me tell you something. I'm at the point now where people running for office in this city, they call me. I don't call like, Sid. I'd love to get on the show. Sid, I'd love to get on the show. That's a true story. I know you can attest to that. I know you can. I hate to admit it, but no, you're absolutely right. Everywhere <laughs> I go, people, like, they walk. You know, nobody asks how I'm doing. Nobody says, hey, you, it's all. Hey, what kind of a guy is Sid? How Bernie and Sid? How is that show? Those guys as good as they seem. Is Sid really nuts? I mean, I get yeah, these questions all the, time. all the time. And by the way, people do love the, uh, the show today. You're doing a really great job. You and I have great rapport. We're having Thank a lot you. of fun today. I love and it. We've covered so much stuff. We've had great guests on. But we did start with, uh, with one story, which was uh, the bad timing for Joe Biden celebrating his inflation reduction bill yesterday when the Dow was tanking, losing 1,200 points, and inflation reaching an all-time high. Just goes to show you just how inept Joe Biden and this administration is that they're celebrating something when the, 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 the story that was told yesterday in real time, in real facts and figures, says what he's celebrating doesn't really exist. Crazy. I mean, crazy, right? Absolutely. And again, it was like almost like a Saturday Night Live routine. I mean, he's there talking about how he's uh, fighting inflation and the stock market is collapsing. Collapsing, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, Queen Elizabeth is still dead, just in case you guys are uh, – that's news, breaking news. She's still dead. And uh, <laughs> now they've got a procession in Buckingham Palace. She was in Scotland. I guess she was by Ireland. Now she's in uh, Buckingham Palace. And you've got a story, Peter King. I saw a picture days ago. You sent it to me. You were hanging out with a guy at the time named Prince Charles, who is now King Charles. How about that? Yeah, actually, I met the Queen once, but also I was at a reception at the British Embassy for Prince Charles. It was coincidentally a few days after bin Laden was killed and about 10 days after uh, the royal wedding with uh, Prince William and uh, 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 Kate Middleton. So, you know, it actually, he was a pretty friendly guy. And I'm standing there, and my wife is like fixated with the marriage. You know, she watched the whole wedding ceremony. She got up, she got up at four o'clock in the morning and watched all that stuff. I, Your beautiful I, you know, wife. She was into it. And oh uh, so, God. anyway, <clears throat> Prince Charles comes over, and you know, they, they call him Your Majesty. And I'm, I'm, I figure it's going to be a quick hello and goodbye. The next thing I know, Rosemary is carrying on this whole dialogue with him about the wedding, about what they did this, they did that. And I thought he was going to sort of be sort of you know, be nice, but walk away. No, he stayed there. He's talking to her. So I'm standing there like the third wheel, like I get dope, but listen to right, these two right. talking about you know, <laughs> you know, the wedding and the prince is with that deep voice. Well, but Rosemary, you know all this kind of stuff. You know, really, that is yeah. cute. That's cute. That's a no, nice was, story. I was, I found dope. I'm of just, course, I, I of course. Dope, you know, people give me a hard time because I'm not. Um... I don't know. I guess I'm not uh, all into it, you know. And uh, and, I, and I did feel badly when, when obviously, when uh, she died. She's a nice lady, and she had a great life and a great legacy. I would never say anything bad about the queen, but everybody around her, I find something bad to say about, including her own son, the dopey king now. But, um, uh, but people can One thing which me. I mentioned yesterday, uh, what did mean something to me yesterday was seeing King Charles now. 
being introduced at the Northern Island Assembly by a man called Alec Maskey, who none of the commentators seem to realize. I mean, he was in jail 50 years ago. I knew, I've known Alec Maskey for over 30 years. Now, why was he in jail? He was accused of being in the IRA. Uh-huh. And, what know, do you mean accused of? He was in it, right? I, I, uh, he never told me he was, Peter, but I assume he Peter. was. All those guys. He I mean, was in it, yeah. Alec, no, okay. <laughs> and also you had uh, uh, Jerry Adams, who was accused of being in the IRA. Martin McGinnis was accused. And they'd all met with the king and the queen. But anyway, to see yesterday, see Alec Maskey, who I knew him. He was in jail. He was shot. His home was machine guns. I used to meet him in an Irish in an IRA bar in Belfast called a Felons Club. You had to be a convicted felon to be in there. Oh, stop right there. So you went to a bar in Ireland that you had to be a convicted felon to go to. They should do that in New York City. <laughs> they, we love convicted felons here. They run the streets every day. It would do great, right? Absolutely. Make Eric Adams at the door. So, so. Anyway, Alec Maskey, I mean, he was a regular guy. He was very active. He became uh, politically involved. And there he was yesterday, and I thought he was exquisite. The way everything he said was right. He was introducing the King of England. Wow. If anybody had told Alec Maskey years ago That's funny. when he was sitting in the felons club that he would be the one officially welcoming King Charles III to Northern Ireland, and yet he handled it brilliantly, and he's been a real warrior. I give him credit. I give the king credit, too, Prince Charles, King Charles, that uh, when the decisions had to be made, listen, King Charles's favorite cousin or uncle was Mountbatten. The IRA killed Mountbatten. Wow. And uh, Martin uh, Martin McGinnis and Jerry Adams were supposedly on the Army Council of the IRA at the time. Alec Maskey is accused of being in the IRA. They were willing to put that behind them to work with them to make sure the peace process well, works. So I give what, them... What about that poor bastard that's dead now? You think he'd be happy about that? <laughs> well, what can I tell you? Your, your life is life. But I'm, I'm getting at it is they, they did serve a real constructive purpose there. So did Tony Blair. And Bill Clinton did a great job. Yes, he did. Also. So is that is that all? Because I, I bring this up with Bernie once in a while. Like Bernie's father, for example, is really uh, you know still angry about uh, the British and all that right. stuff. Uh, and he hates all the royals. So is that pretty much over? Is that old news? The... I don't want to use the word rivalry, but the, the genuine uh, dissent between the Irish and the English. Uh, Northern Ireland is still going to have some problems because just the underlying tensions and everything has not been resolved. But there's no killing and no one's killing each other. Right. I hope that the new prime minister who's coming in, though, there is under the uh, Good Friday Agreement and afterwards, the border between North and South was gone. People could flow back and forth. They could sell goods on either side. They could have business. Now, with, because of Brexit... Uh, the prime minister is talking about, in effect, putting border controls back on because their tariffs. You talk about Liz Trust. Yes, she replaced Boris Johnson. Right. So if yeah. they, if that happens, that could give the radicals on both sides the opportunity to fight. That border's got to stay Uh-oh. gone. Yeah, that's the whole thing, and that's why it's important. I think when I saw the the king there yesterday and Alec Maskey, that to me said a lot. But listen, they got to. It's ninety five percent over. But there's always elements there, sure, and uh, sure. some of the Brits still look down on the Irish as being low class, and they consider themselves superior. Right. But uh, no, listen, a lot was done. I give Bill Clinton, Tony Blair, Bertie Hearn, and also again people like Jerry Adams. They, uh, they, they, and Alec Maskey. They, they made it work. They put aside the old grievances. Listen, Alec Maskey. He was machine gunned in his house. His best friend was killed next to him. Wow. Yeah, and this was done back in the 1980s. So this is all on your Facebook this morning, right? You could read yeah. all this stuff yeah. in the pictures, yeah. and yeah. that's a pretty amazing story. Yeah. Wow, King Charles and Alex Maskey. Well, if I had told that? Alex Maskey when I'm sitting with yeah. him in the fellows, you're going to be with the King of England in a few years. Unbelievable. That yeah. is unbelievable. You're right. That, that does show the great strides that yes, uh, we absolutely, made. absolutely, yeah. yeah. 1-800-848-WABC. We need a, uh, not a player today, but a rep. It's sit against Peter. So I guess the, uh, the caller, Lewis, 
is uh, on Pete's team. If Pete wins, the caller gets the money, right? Yeah, that's... Uh, Wait a minute. If I win, I want the money. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else for being in here. Come you're on. Pro- you're probably going to need another driver, too, I think. <laughs> the way Sid's going. Oh, that is funny. Oof. 1-800-848-9222. Call right now. Your chance to uh, be in the game with me and Peter. Beat Sid is coming up next. Now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. All right. It is that time. The Peerless Boilers Beat Bernie Contest. I'm your host, Justin Ellick. Sitting right across from me, our contestant for the day, the great Congressman Peter King. How you doing, Congressman? I'm doing great, but I'm a little concerned this might be rigged. This, no. might be, this might be another rigged election. No, we wouldn't do that to you. Okay, I'm just, that's what I hear. That's what I hear out in the hallway. No, we play, we have a lot of uh, integrity when it comes to the game, and uh, we, we play sit, it fairly. Sid and integrity in the same sentence. Okay. Uh, listen, I mean, with, integrity with him isn't really, you know, okay. the same definition. <laughs> but uh, we got Mike on hold in Manalapin. He's going to stick out on hold, and then if you're victorious, he'll take your winnings. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I've, I've been robbed before, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> hey, Mike, how you doing? Mike, you Mike, there? Mike, there? Hello, Mike. Mike. Hello, Mike. Oh, he's on hold. Hey, Peter. Oh, hey, Pete, Mike. Come on, get a big get a big W, Pete. Okay, yeah. Mike, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, but you know Sid is a sports savant of, uh, you know, New York City. I, I heard idiot savant, but okay, sports <laughs> yeah. savant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, he's cold-blooded. Okay, here we go. Are you ready, Congressman? All set. All right. Number one. What Major League Baseball franchise broke the record for most consecutive games with a home run with 28 done so in 2019? Uh, Yankees. It's an educated guess. Very nicely done. One for one. On to number two. Taking up about 31% of the city's population, what is the most populated borough in New York City? Brooklyn. Oh, Kings. Kings County. There you go. He's getting specific now. That's my name. (laughs) The same day for me. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So far, so good, Mike. So far, so good. Two for two. Number three. The world's most famous world record book. The world, uh, excuse me. The world's most famous world record book's name was named after which famous international beer? Guinness. Every Irish guy knows that. It might be rigged in favor of Congressman Kinker. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. Who was the most recent man to be elected U.S. president who also served in the United States military? Uh, George Bush. How about that? Four for four. To go perfect, Congressman. Number five. Well, I am perfect no matter how I well, do it. Well, yes. Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. My mistake. My mistake. To go perfect in the game. Let's go, Mike. Group me on here now. Yeah, here we go. Well, Alabama has the most college football championships since the polling era began in 1936, and there is a three-way tie for second most championships with eight. Name one of those schools. Notre Dame. How about that? That was impressive. Actually, I went to Notre Dame Law School, so I have uh, I follow all of it. They haven't won those since 1988. So. Uh, no, and, and after losing to Marshall, I don't see what. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Hey, Mike, we're doing okay. Mike, we're doing good, but oh, That's great. We're doing five for five, baby. I love it. How do you like that? Five for five, Sid. Like five it. for five. All right, Mike. Yeah. We'll, we'll put you back on hold. You get a chance to talk to uh, both the congressman and 
the big guy. Five for five. Five for five. Very impressive, it's Peter. It's possible for you to win the game today. Yeah. Well, you can tie. That's fine. At you, least I got to lift home, unlike you, Peter. You can win. I got Melissa right there waiting right. for me. Exactly. She's ready to she's we'll go ready. shopping. She's going to shop for me today and buy uh, me some clothes and <laughs> Freddie, have a nice lunch. Freddie would never do that. Yeah. Me. Pete wins uh, this game and has to hitchhike back to Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine. That. I'm, a, I'm a congressman. I'm a yeah. former congressman. So, so who really is the big winner today? Thank yeah, you very yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. That looks like Peter King on the show. Yeah. Oh, right. God. I'm not taking no ferry today. I got in head to Yeah. Yeah. Is that Peter King from Kings County? Oh, my God. All right, here we go. She's going right. to learn about the Devil Wears Prada for sure. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all kidding aside, does she look exactly like her? She, uh, yeah, really hence pretty. The, hence the joke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, like, let's go. Let's play the okay, game. I'm, I'm, I've been ready. I've I'm been in trouble here. Yeah, okay. Come on, Justin. Come on. <laughs> Number one, what MLB franchise broke the record for most consecutive? you, you got to slow down. I, I just missed what you said there, the whole thing. I'm sorry. What? Melissa's watching me through the window. It's freaking me out. I can't. I keep looking at her. Well, she's she's now your she's now your sworn protector. I uh, know. Yeah. What, what's number one now? What major league baseball franchise <laughs> broke the record for most consecutive games with a home run with twenty eight? Done so in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Twenty eight consecutive games with a home run. As you a got team. this right. How did Peter King get this? No, come on. He didn't get this right. Yeah, he did. Yankees. You get it right because you say the first team that comes to your head, and it's, the, and it's the Yankees. Andrew oh. Galbarino. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, the New York Islanders. All right, number two. Eating up about 31% of the city's population, what is the most populated borough in New York City? Oh, my God. Pete knew this one for sure. Yeah. Well, the fourth largest city in the world huh? was Brooklyn. That was a sign coming off the Bell Parkway by the Verrazano Bridge. So I'm going to go with Brooklyn. Oh, come on, baby. Welcome back, Cotter. Very nice. Way to connect Vinny with Vinny Barbarino. Yeah. That was very smart of you. Thank you. Two for two. Oh, uh, Melissa's going to drive me through Brooklyn to get me home today. As long as you're not obsessed. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Uh, Freddie's at home right now, like, drinking himself into a hole. It's like Freddy. depression. Yeah. Number three. Number three. The world's most famous world record book's name was named after which famous international beer? Oh, that was a gimme for uh, Peter King. Yeah, well, it's a gimme for you, too. Just put it together in your brain. Guinness, yes, yeah. Guinness. Others matter Shevitz. Yeah, I mean, exactly. yeah, yeah, What's exactly. your Jewish wine question? Get the Irish beer. What's the uh, beer out in Israel? Is it uh, Lone Star? Is I've never been to Israel. I have no idea. They got a beer out yeah. there. That's an Israeli beer. That's pretty good. I've never been to Israel. Yeah. Yeah. I banged an Israeli chick once, but it doesn't count, does it? Maybe oh. it does. Oh. <laughs> and her name was Bar Raphael. Yeah. <laughs> 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 And she didn't drive me home. That's a true story. <laughs> she left me at Sprats on Long Island of all places, Pete. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. <laughs> all right. Uh, three for three. This yeah. is a tight game so far. Number four. Who is the most recent man to be elected U.S. president who also served in the United States military? Oh, my God. Here's where I'm dead. Yeah, I'm you're, dead. Yeah, you're dead. I'm man. so dead. Dead man walking. He served in the military. Yeah. Well, it ain't Trump. No. It ain't Obama. No. It ain't uh, no Clinton Bush. Oh, it'll be 41. George Bush, 41. <laughs> Oh. Well, is that the right one? Yeah. Okay. No, it's not. No, what? Oh, George, George 43. W. George W. You're yeah, right. right. You're right. 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 And you're right. Yeah. So wait a minute. It's 43. He lost. He lost. Yeah, no, no, he hold lost. on a second. Hold on. I said Bush. No, but you said 41. You, said 41. you, said 41. you shouldn't have said 41. You should have kept yeah. your mouth shut. You lost. Yeah, you should have You should have kept your mouth shut. You were right until you said 41. Yeah, you right shouldn't have said 41. Because you said George Bush. Yeah, and then you said 41. Like Phil, doofus. Phil, you make uh, the rules here. It's, it's. What do you mean? Wait a minute, Mike makes the rules. Mike, what do you say? <laughs> I, 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 I say 
that it's uh, it's you're wrong. I'm wrong. Phil, you what said, do you think? I, I think you're wrong. You said if you clearly passed over. You said it wasn't Bush. You said oh, 41 Bush. Right, I went over 43. I yeah. did. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. So um, that sucks right. for you. Yeah, right, I just num- said Bush. Number Pete, five. Pete, I wish you would have been this happy when you won your own damn elections. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen you this happy. Just look at look how happy he is. Look, He's I, giggling. God, <laughs> find me some justice. You take away my security guard. Yeah. yeah. The least yeah. I can do is win this damn vote. I, I, I don't even get paid for it. Right? I, sure, I don't even right. get the money. You're right. Oh, let's finish the game. All Pete right, won. Let's do it. Here we go. Alabama has the most college football championships since the polling era began in 1936. And there's a three-way tie for second most championships with eight. Name one of those schools. Notre Dame. Oh. Uh, so now, just to be a real prick, a uh, Lou talking about Notre Dame. Where's that uh, piece of audio I have from, uh, oh, I know, Pete, I know. This morning, <laughs> we need to drive this one home. Now that Pete beat me and he's, he's loving it, he's, just, he's eating it all up. Let me remind you what happened on Saturday. At Notre Dame. Go ahead. Columbia knees it down in Coach Huff. A moment that he will remember forever. Oh, no. Coach Huff worked for Nick Saban at Alabama. I had the opportunity to work for Nick Saban at the Miami Dolphins. He used to always talk about bringing they his lost team to, to Notre Marshall. Dame and not worrying about Pete touchdown Jesus. Marshall. How does that happen? was not on our side. I actually don't know. I mean, Notre Dame has got it straightened out. I mean, they yeah. uh, uh, they actually played a good game against Ohio State. I mean, they were even for three quarters, and there was a big play by Ohio State, and Notre Dame played, I thought, very well. They did. But Marshall, there's no, I mean, listen, Notre Dame couldn't run. They couldn't pass. They, they couldn't do anything. Everything. You know, they're missing tackles. And uh, listen, I, I met the coach. Uh, Marcus Freeman seems like a great guy, but they got to get, they got to get this. They got to be California on Saturday. By the way, Nassau County Police Commissioner Pat Ryder, and Joe Cairo are going out to the game this Saturday. Oh, they are. They're both yeah. great guys, by the yeah. way. Really, Joe, uh, Joe went to Notre Dame, and Pat Ryder's uh, nephew, Jack Cohn, was the quarterback last oh, year. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's an Irish Cohn, not a Jewish Cohn. Right, Cone, right, okay? right, right. Different. Yeah, yeah, right. Like the uh, Klein is Jewish, too, sometimes. Right. Or Irish, like right. Timmy Klein, who died yeah. in uh, so. line of duty. 30 seconds. Mike from an Alpin. How are you, Mikey? Hey, what's going on, Sid? How's everything, buddy? I'm doing uh, very well, thank you. Thank you for uh, calling in today. What do you think of today's game? Did you like it? I liked it. I loved it. I get a prize out of it. And yes. uh, I want to just send my thoughts. I definitely want to send my thoughts and prayers out with Bernie. You know, I miss, miss both of you guys on the air. Sid, I've been listening to you since the sports guys. You're doing a great job. You know how Thank much you. I really like you, man, bro. And uh, everything's going going well, and uh, hopefully everything I say everything's going great for you too. So uh, well, keep thank up you. Good work, bro. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. We're going to come back and close shop. Peter King and Sid Rosenberg. Right after these short messages. Thank uh, you, Mike. I hope Mike. Feed Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. What a great show today. Sid Rosenberg and Peter King got a message on the way yeah, out, Yeah, just a quick one. At Neary's Restaurant on East 57th, it was in New York City, a landmark. Jimmy Neary died about a year ago. He's a good friend of mine today. At 5 o'clock, they're renaming the street Jimmy Neary Way at 57th and 1st Avenue. Yeah, he's a good friend. I was somewhat instrumental in that, but he's a great guy. He was a great guy. His uh, name and memory live on.
That is a beautiful thing. It really is. Yeah, I think Bernie knew it was too, right? Yeah. Bur- yeah, yeah, I think so. Because you put it up on your Facebook a couple of days yes, ago. Right. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. You were great today. Listen, I love doing it. And again, I'm hoping and praying for Bernie all the way. Absolutely. Uh, we're done for today. Though Lou, great job. Phil Macedonia, great job. Justin Ellick, great job. Uh, uh, who else? Deb Valentine, great job. Frankie Diaz, great job. Of course, uh, we love you, Jacqueline Carl. And Peter King, an amazing, amazing job. People loved Thank it. You. They loved it. They loved it. And, uh, what of time course, Melissa's in. What time does Fred pick me up? One <laughs> thirty. <1:30. laughs> Melissa's in. Great job, too. Don't hold your breath. Yeah, really. <laughs> we'll be back again uh, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. We hope you enjoyed it. Pete King and Sid Rosenberg. Have a beautiful Wednesday here in New York, folks. I'll be at the Met Game with Bill O'Reilly tonight. Talk again at 6 tomorrow. Until then, peace. Someone like you